a record of the delightful piece they're going to play this evening. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. Why, hello there. This is Hazy Dialects, seen as all in HD, and guess what? This is a new episode of Requiem Radio. Um, this is the part where I'm just recording for the purposes of some parts that are lost in this podcast, yet I believe that the quality is still there, and I believe that there were amazing conversations. Sola joins us, and Snake, who will be speaking throughout this conversation. I hope you enjoy this episode and you've seen this all in HD. Was Toonami just like X'd out by the time you got introduced to it? I've heard of it, but that was one of the things I couldn't really get into much as a kid. And mainly because like Ollie had mainly Cartoon Network and like, you know, Nickelodeon. So Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, all the shit like that. They'd be hosting the like Dragon Ball or anything like the big three as we were speaking of. Like every now and then it'd be Naruto. But I didn't really understand Naruto when I was younger, so I just like stuck with Dragon Ball Z because I think anyone in the Spanish community when we saw like you know Goku, y'all go wild for Dragon yeah, Ball. y'all go fucking crazy. Listen, yeah, <laughs> no, Goku is literally me as a kid. I was like, I like don't care if this guy ain't Spanish. He's like my icon. <laughs> Bro, that meme is real. We all, we all, yeah, that's Goku, that's like, child, that shit's real. No, and that's weird get... because like, yeah, you see like modern anime now, or, like the whole modern scene. I don't like modern shit as much. Where people are like, oh, you're telling me this person from this very rare set of diversity isn't included? Not watching it canceled. <laughs> I'm like, what you mean? And it was like, you think we care? Like, I don't well, know. You know what what yeah. I wanted to bring that up because um, at least I think some of what I'm saying, at least in terms of how Tanami was described, definitely resonates with a lot of people. And I really, really enjoyed so two things I want to bring up. And just in terms of Tanami, interesting enough, Tanami's original voice actor, speaking to Dragon Ball Z, was Krillin's ocean dub voice. And then we had um D Bloom, who um was the voice actor for Cowboy Bebop, who went on to do the was the mainstay in terms of the voice acting for Tanami, Tom, as well as they having an overarching um storyline and narrative that was transpiring within Tanami itself. As well as a lot of the promotional segments that was done for Tanami, um, as many of you have probably watched the Transformers series, that was one of his like ongoing jobs at the time period. He was one of the people who would do the introduction segments or do the montages in which they would have some sort of message that could be derived from shows, as well as snipping together segments in which they would convey a message to the audience by doing so. So, uh, Tanami is like a really, um, in terms of like something that really penetrated the cultural scene in zeitgeist in terms of um, endowing many people with the ability to be informed about anime i think tom and tsunami as a whole played a significant role in that i'll send you a playlist of some of the stuff that um tsunami did in terms of aesthetics because i think um something that really like buys you into a certain like, idea is aesthetics i never spoke about this before but i should mention it now um one of the first enemies i ever got into was big o um that was a fascinating anime for me, but if we're just going to stay on Dragon Ball, uh, uh, Dragon Ball Z and just its legacy as a whole, um, culturally speaking, it's 
goes without saying that it's phenomenal. And it's probably, it's one of the shows that often are referenced undoubtedly. Well, sure, you'll have your gear, you get you have your gear 4s or gear 2s or wrestling guns. Um, in terms of identifiable iconography, you can show somebody a Kamehameha without saying all of it, and someone immediately knows what you're talking about. So, I think uh, in terms of culturally speaking, I think like, one, I, I think Dragon Ball Z has it. And for me personally, one of my favorite iterations of the series was the earliest ones. Um, Dragon Ball was just so fun. It was very hard to not be invested in it. With the Red Ribbon Army, the mystique of Gohan's father's disappearance, as well as um, not knowing um, his origin. So, like, all that wrapped up together really invested you in this kid's uh, simplistic worldview as well. So, uh, in terms of one, uh, Dragon Ball's OG series. Um, what do you guys think of that? Have you guys watched it in its entirety? And what, what's your thoughts of that? Yeah, so I've seen all of it. I've seen Dragon Ball Z. Like I said, I'm much a super, mm-hmm. but definitely I do like the OG a lot more as well. It was a tale of the uh, the, the Monkey King, pretty much. Akira Toma pretty much did his variation on it. You know, going on an adventure, seven star ball and everything. So that was dope. But two, I do want to make this point first. The, the dub of Dragon Ball is better than the sub. I don't care what anyone says. I'm tired of hearing this shit. All right, so let's just go ahead and debt this now. The dub of Dragon Ball absolutely yes, washes the sir. sub. That's one of the few. It is one of the few animes on the planet that does dub better than sub. So let's just, you know. He's out of line I, for the culture, yeah, but he's making yeah, sense. That's, that's just how it is. All right, no one wants to hear a grown-ass woman scream in a, in a big muscle man's body. It, it, it can't happen. But anyway, yeah, I, I do prefer a lot of the elements and Dragon Ball over Z, especially the choreography and the fight scenes as well. You know, it, it went straight into just super flashy fights in Z, but in, in Dragon Ball, if you do ever rewatch it, it's really choreographed fights, and it's really nice, clean animation, especially for its time period. It actually it's, it still has a lot of better animation than even some modern anime standards. It's crazy. It feels well-earned, too. That's why I'd say in comments on that, where... Dragon Ball, you were with them training, and this is like an issue you see of younger generations. Like, oh, we're not going to watch the old stuff because it's too long and boring. Right. I was like, it's not long and boring, it's payoff. Like, you know, it sits you thinking there, wondering, like, actual oh, what's story going on? Yeah, no actual <laughs> story. Well, like, you know, like you said, Dragon Ball is super. Every episode or two, someone's getting in, like, a new power up. I'm like, oh, I never discovered it before. <laughs> it's so bad, and I'm like, bro. Oh, what's like, you know, I'm sure you all remember the first, like, Super Saiyan when Goku was fighting Frieza. That was hard. That moment was all fun. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, you know, it's been built up the entire series for him to get this thing. And then meanwhile, you got super, like like I said, people left or right. Um, There are like some people from the other universe competing in a tournament that are also like Saiyans. But um, he shows them how to go Super Saiyan. They do it like, you know, a snap like that. They were just handing it to them like candy. Like Goku and and them spent years time reaching that point. They're just, just, no, no. A lot of of parts about Super just, like, they just completely dissipated a lot of what made Dragon Ball Dragon Ball by just giving people shit. Handing them them powers or whatnot. Random ass power-ups. Or certain characters you see off screen for years on end suddenly be as strong as Goku out of you know it was bad. Yep. The entire uh, dynamic was kind of. Merlin doing some off screen training allowed him to uh, combat Super Saiyan Blue Goku. I was like, all right then. So <laughs> that that level of investment for me has just yeah. immediately dissipated, knowing that like characters are immediately able to be characters who 
like if we're if we're going to the power scale level of like determine like determining the like the abilities and capabilities that there are supposed to be like at this point they're at a, an absurdism level of like levels. But if I was to quantify it, it's like okay, a character who's now essentially at a multiversal level of destruction and capabilities is like having Krillin, a character who hasn't been relevant since what. Frieza saga now being like ah yes you know i did some i did some push-ups you know i did some cardio work uh i drunk some prime from logan paul and ksi shout out to the boys at home and uh i'm, I'm ready to throw hands with you goku is, is, is that is, is that, that, that not how it is you know i'm I'm certain akira was doing blow when he made these storylines and these care i'm i'm certain he had to be on oh, something he's that good crap. His, his, you know or, or or he was rolling some random dice and just and just and just fucking around you know what, what if what if i had this guy be as strong as him just out of just out of fucking nowhere like, let's just let's just do it you know let's just make a few Female Brawly, and just you know, f- fuck it, bro. Let's just let's just let's just throw shit at the wall and, and see how fan. And, uh, it was yeah. Once it got to a certain point, I think I stopped at the tournament of power. I started reading the manga for it though. The manga is much. I tell every single person if you don't even do the super anime, go watch the go read the manga because it's a hundred percent, not not even a hundred, a thousand percent better than how they treated the anime. It's certainly more of an employment of technique within the uh, manga of itself. But the thing that really got destroyed in terms of characters, personally for me, was just Freezer as an as a whole. Like oh, his God. whole storyline is just completely uprooted it's just trash. It's by trash. the existence of Super by one particular thing, and it's simply put as for the following. Frieza says he has never attempted to train in his entire life. He's always been a naturally gifted individual. Here's the problem with all that. He really thinks he's Ujiro Hanma. He thinks he's him. Yeah. Nah, man. Yeah, yeah. No, that, no. that absolutely, he can never be him. He, uh, you know, he, he's he's really a Bruce Jenner sort of individual. But, uh, uh, <laughs> okay, hold on. But the thing that really makes me, like, perplexed by this is that he had the entire um, sane race under enslavement. This allowed him to infinitely expand his domain and his dominance over the universe. Unfortunately, with every generation, they were incrementally getting strong enough to oppose his strength. Eventually, not being able to hold them under his thumb, the only other option he had to his uh, add to his utilities and had to his um, options of uh, ideas he could use was to simply eradicate the entire race. It was done out of fear, out of the inevitability of them one day becoming strong enough, out of one generation eventually being the one to so his demise that was poetically personified within goku becoming the legendary super saiyan the thing of legend the stories that would pass on between generations and it was so poetic to have him finally succumb to this this cowardice this fear but then it irrevocably destroyed this this storyline this narrative of freezer oh the red his fear yeah. uh, by just saying he didn't train enough i'm like so why was he afraid of the Saints getting stronger if he could just? <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah, I guess yeah, that's one of the biggest. Yeah, All that's right. one of the biggest issues with Super is that they retcon a lot of the origin stories told in Z in its entirety. So the Freezer thing, you know, Beerus is now added, and Beerus is kind of the one that goads him into destroying the Saints. So that's retconned. Um, I think the Namekians get retconned as well. Apparently, they were they were from some other universe, and that's why they're in a bunch of it. A bunch of it has changed. A lot of reasons that were staples in YZ and the characters and their motivations are just completely wiped out. So that's another reason why 
I just could continue to just even watch Super because it's it's just it a, worse. super watered down. It's, yeah, it, it gets it gets worse as you go on. Like I like some of the transformations here and there, but overall, I just I, I couldn't keep doing it. Like the show didn't mature the way it should have. They tried to keep it rather than growing with its audience, which is what it should have done and matured as we got older. The people who did grow up watching it, they kind of just re rehash it and did it for like thirteen year olds over and over. When it has immense potential. To, to grow like the the fact that Freeze is even alive just blows my mind like I, I get reviving him but, but if I was Vegeta I would have killed yeah, his ass probably. immediately the moment he comes back to life I would have wiped his ass out that's just me but you know and it gets worse too because there's recently in a manga there's a spinoff one that is now canon where okay. Bardock Goku's fucking dad it's like his little story basically he knew the Dragon Balls he got them and he made a wish the wish was I wish that my son could be protected and always in good health. So him saying that shit, because there's still arguments like, you know, Japanese translation to the English one. Like, did he really mean that? Because if you're going to say that, that means all the shit from Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> it means nothing. Because like, well, he's basically protected from, like, you know, the right. um, Shenron's wish. There's a Which whole magical like, reason why, yeah. There's a whole now. There's a magical reason for a lot of the events that transpired, rather than the reasons for them actually happening. And that's what's that's the biggest issue with sequels that retcon past events. So now it's like, okay, so what what does this all this that meant before that we felt that we were emotionally invested into? A lot of that's wiped. And I think yeah, that's a dominate. Really I yeah. think that's a probably the biggest problem with the domino effect of retrospectively altering certain like historic right. like elements of the story. Because sure, while it can be a revelation, and if you deliberately leave holes within your story, like Jenga, you can possibly put these retroactive alterations to the story, and then it makes things that never had a proper explanation make more sense. Yeah, however, Bleach, Bleach does it pretty like, well too. Yeah, Bleach does an excellent job of this. But sometimes you'll get like a Devor dilemma, where there's a character who now exists within the narrative, and it's not enough for them to be a race within the lore itself. They seek to retcon this character to have always existed and they've encountered them in multitude of times back in the past and they've combated them with Raiden and the Shaolin monks and that's just always been a thing and the problem then surfaces the obvious and the most immediate one is okay why has no one ever mentioned this character prior to this moment <laughs> within the narrative <laughs> it's yeah, such it's a like, bad yeah, way to raise <laughs> It's such a <laughs> shitty way to write a story. Like God, bro. Like, are you are you that are you that pressed about ideas? And which is wild to me because Akira could have went with the demon route. Like, you know, during the Boo Saga, we have Deborah, and Dragon Ball even had demons in it. He could he could have had a whole route with using them or something. But he he, he decides to write a whole side piece, interject characters into a story. Because as you said before, you know, if Beerus shows up and he's always been there, where the hell's he been at the whole time, right? People kind of had that problem with Boo too as well but that's that that element of story writing is always going to be bad because you could even at least brush away from like okay maybe i guess maybe you never heard of him because he exists like in the outskirt of most people's knowledge right because supreme kai is like oh he's he deals with problems that are like so up there in terms of the class most people don't even ever hear of them because well he usually deals with them thus the encountering and the knowledge of them is really like not um, immediate or like, accessible right. to the common folk. So that's understandable. But when it comes to like a god of destruction or like someone like 
You think someone will mention the little god of destruction? Yeah. Even in passing, even in passing jest, like, okay, so people know about legendary Super Saiyan, who by all accounts, most people don't have any physical evidence of its existence, but for some reason, the god of destruction, literally a character who can destroy people's spirits so powerful that he can wipe you from the afterlife itself, has never been spoke about by anybody. It's, it's yeah, like, yeah. The, the more you think about it, the more ridiculous. Yeah, the more you think about how, how the fuck could this character fit in this story the entire time and no one not say shit the whole way through. And that's the reason for it. It's because that character didn't exist until the series was completed. So now you're trying to find, you're trying to create loopholes and fuck up an entire story to fit new and just you know used goats and had them growing up or you know well his, his that was his original idea most people don't know this but he said it in an interview where he planned on keeping goku dead i think during the boo saga and the story was going to revolve around goten and gohan was kind of going to be the protector but i think if i recall a bunch of his fans like bitched about it and bitched out no, they didn't and like Adam's, it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Didn't the fans like didn't like it so where the, the story yeah they didn't like the, the the direction of where early boo saga was going so they essentially altered it to ensure that Goku would be the Whole mainstay main right. character. But in terms of even the earliest inceptions of Dragon Ball Z, you can see that the series was basically planting the seeds that for Gohan to oh, be... Oh, Gohan the, the, to supersede Goku. 100%. Yeah, yes. Gohan was supposed to be the GOAT. It was supposed to be like the next generation shit. They, like, cut, you know they, I mean? they cut Gohan so hard. That shit was, I, I, was, I was actually pissed about that shit, bro. That actually bro, hurt Gohan me. Gohan fans are suffering, man. Like, Gohan even, got even as a child, like, like when you first see him with the whole thing with Raditz, that kind of sows the seeds. Like, oh shit, okay. He has like an immense amount of potential. And then you, you, you follow his story from Frieza, you, you know, to the whole Namek saga, him getting his ass beat, then getting enough anger to even cite someone like Frieza, going all the way to accepting that, you know, he, he can't be what Chi-Chi wants him to be, and to become a warrior as the story goes on, training with Goku in the Hobbit Bollock time chamber, reaching rage and being taught how to go Super Saiyan, all of that, to literally whooping Sail's ass, being part of the reason his father died, and accepting that fate, like, all of it was planned for him to take over, for them to just cuck him super hard and super, it, it was it was bad, man. It was Listen, Dragon, Ball to me, it, Dragon Ball to me ended at the Cell um, Saga. Yeah, Cell Saga. That, that, was, that was good. That shit was crazy. Yeah, most people yeah. refer to it as the Magnum Opus, but this is a very contentious element of the story and narrative all altogether. Some people say that oh, Gohan was um, to never be a war was was to never be what Chi Chi wanted him to be. It was always meant to be a warrior. Um, I, I say yes and no to that to some regards because when you look at Gohan's character, there's some stark contrasts to some regard. While Gohan does deploy violence, similar to like every other saying, he doesn't have any necessity for it. He doesn't enjoy it. He doesn't do it because point. he... I love the fact that that was like a very stark contrast between Goku and Gohan. That yes, he does employ violence, but only when he needs to. There's no desire. He wasn't an idiot. Yeah, like you have like Goku is just fighting just to fight. Vegeta fighting purely for pride, being like, "Oh, you push my pride, I'm gonna beat your ass now." And he had Gohan like, "You know what? Maybe we shouldn't fight motherfuckers if we don't start shit. Like, let's just leave it like." Exactly. The whole Chi Chi element is huge because I was talking to my brother about this, and like, if you, you know, if you have the mindset you have now about like men and women, if you go back and rewatch that, 
Gohan kind of always wanted to follow his father's footsteps. Chi-Chi kind of tries to shackle him to stay into the human realm, like the human form. Gohan wants to go full Saiyan mode. You see all his milestones are him getting pissed or accepting that, you know, he's half Saiyan and that, you know, he, he needs to use his power for good and he can't stay shackled doing stuff. You notice every moment Gohan tries to ascend, Chi-Chi slaps his ass back down. He's like, no, take your ass home, study, your ass is going to be a scholar. Goku comes around, he says, no, we're not, knowing, we're not doing none of this bitch shit. Get your ass up, let's go train, let's go get stronger. It happens every single time. Yeah, so that's what I don't think Gohan ever really... Right, yeah, yeah. I don't think Gohan ever truly wanted to be like a scholar. Like every single but time, I, I, I think he had exceptional no, like levels of like aptitude for being a scholar. Right, but I don't think that I think there was there was this is why I think the pulling elements of of Chi Chi and Goku come into play. Whereas Chi Chi definitely wanted him to be a scholar and to be it's the long exceptional house. exceptional at this, and there could be two lists that could find him to be someone that's not should be very knowledgeable and um someone who could excel in academics and then there's goku who can see the ability and the uh, essence of his ability to be one of the strongest warriors within the um in the verse but when it comes to gohan as a character there's not an innate passion for violence and there's not an innate i would say there's not either an innate passion for academics either and i think that makes him a very fascinating character for a lot of yeah. for a lot of reasons because yeah, he's a character yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like, he, he had that dog in him, you know. He had that dog. Go had the dog in him, baby. Go, Gohan <laughs> likes adventure. Goku, Gohan likes traveling. Gohan likes flying around and being with his friends. These are things that are like are passions of Gohan when you see him in the show itself. Like he enjoys these things. But in terms of fighting, he he's um. A more he a prototypical it, character. He, he, would, he would do it when he needed to, but he was definitely yeah, 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 adverse. Absolutely. Like, like that was never the first option. I also yes. want to say this last point. You know, all the Saiyans are like are like Superman, by the way. So I want people to realize this. Chi Chi's pretty much asking a, a, a person that's Superman to act like Clark Kent. All right. How the fuck are you gonna do that? How, how are you gonna tell Superman to sit here and, and tell him to work in the office all the fucking time when he should be going out there doing his fucking, you know, saving saving the damn world? That's pretty much essentially what Chi Chi was doing to him. And I'm not saying you know he can't chill, he can't relax here and there, but to but to baby him into that small realm when he can be so doing so much more for the like Earth, the world, the universe. Actually, the moments he he didn't do it, he almost got killed. You know. The super is a, a huge element about that, where he doesn't train. And actually, the, I mean, the Z uh, Boo saga I meant is a huge example of that. Like he he didn't train for seven years. Boo shows up and he's weak as shit. Vegeta even comments about how he 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 wasn't even as strong as his Super Saiyan two form when he fought Cell. Like that's how weak he got. And so him not training almost ended up getting the whole Earth fucking destroyed. So. I think at a certain point he realized he, he can't dwell too much into the human realm and too much into the saying he has to find that balance. And I yeah. wish they had tapped into that more, unfortunately. But, you know, Akira's writing got sloppy as shit in Super. So that that sucked to see. I do think that, like, one of the things that plays into the philosophy of how, like, Akira was writing the story up to that point was um, the idea that he emphasized, and he's the one who pushed for Gohan to grow up. He's, I mean, Go, Goku to grow up. He said, yes, I'll continue writing the series, but Goku has to grow up. He has to progress within life itself. He has to go somewhere up. There's a little bit of feedback coming in from Solus. Oh, my bad, my bad. Uh, that, that, that Gohan has to grow up. That he has to be a um, different person by the time the series is all said and done. Um, and I think that's really um, important because he grows up, he gets married, he um, goes to his teenage years, he goes to his adulthood. And then when you get into adulthood and you get into Z, 
you see how prominent Gohan is in the intro of the series and towards the um, outro of the series. They show them flying to the screen, and you see Gohan and Goku and Gohan. And it's showing you that these characters, in terms of what the narrative and what they are in service of, have equal levels of importance up to this point in the narrative. And it was almost like a passing of the baton when you saw the father and son Kamehameha. This was like the moment where they're saying to us, or inform the audience, hey, this is our new... A, a prime, a new main character. This is the character who's going to bear the weight of the narrative going forward. And it felt as though everything was built up perfectly for that to be the case. And unfortunately, it felt as though, I felt as though, narratively speaking, Gohan yeah. had taught, Gohan had been taught everything he needed to up to that point, and Goku as a character had learned so much. He, has, he was able to set his pride aside. He, has, he was able to set combat aside. He was able to set a set aside all these elements of his personhood in order to rectify his own mistakes, maybe over-calculating how his, his son's own desire for fire, fighting in combat, and basically do something so altruistic just by just basically sacrificing himself and getting rid of Cell um, in that moment in time. To bring him back in um, Saga, there's not necessarily any progression. And even in Super, they necessarily have to kind of revert some elements of who he is. No, and, no, 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 not, not, not just revert. They made him retarded as shit. I, I, want, you, oh, I, yeah. I want people to understand this point. <laughs> he, he, he understood even towards like the freezer thing that you can't let certain people continue to live. You, you have to take these motherfuckers out because they'll, they'll wipe everyone else, else out. He learns that with Cell as well. Like some of these guys just have to go. He reverts that back in Super and um it happens at least like twice like i I think when frieza comes back in the resurrection of f he hesitates taking him out knowing how much of a tyrant he is that that was stupid as shit to me he does the same thing i don't know if the super went into the moral arc or whatnot he does the same shit with him where it's like goku has to relearn the lesson about how certain dudes are just completely pure evil and you cannot let them continue even with boo like he, he knows that he has to take out boo completely and entirely or else the universe is wiped out but in, in Super, they just kind of mentally push him back to like he was as if he hell even even Dragon Ball version of him knew that certain of those demons had to get taken out and killed. So they just made him for the narrative of the story. They made him incredibly stupid. And that's a poor form of writing because no, no person who goes through events like that suddenly just backpedals completely, especially in regards to saving their family and their loved ones and the, the entire universe. So, yeah, that's an ele- another element of writing Akira got super sloppy on, for sure. Yeah, I agree I'm gonna with that. Oh, I'm going to touch on one last thing of Dragon Ball, and then we can move to something uh, else as well. But I personally like the OG Brawly more than the new one. Hell because yeah. OG one, he was a fucking psycho. He was an asshole. He was, he he was, was a dick. I loved it, bro. He was a... Yes. Dude, he fucking <laughs> clotheslined. Clothesline Vegeta in the air and just started stomping <laughs> him, like just stomping. And that was the one time where I felt like you know shit was serious because you had a character like Vegeta who's always like on his high horse, always prideful, like oh I'm the prince of all Saiyans, and then you have him like literally pissing his pants, being like you guys don't understand, we're all gonna die. <laughs> and then everyone's like nah man, we can take him, and they always get folded. Like <laughs> me, that's what made Broly such a good villain. Because you can see the buildup of him slowly just getting bigger and bigger. Man, that man was eating a trend salad every day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. 
Yeah, trend in his protein shakes. That boy was huge. Yeah, <laughs> I was no. like, God damn. Yeah, Brawley's OG was personality dumb, was not. It was. I love this. Um, the duality of his personality: calm, quiet, in his regular form, even his Super Saiyan form. But once he gets to legendary, the flip. It's just flipped completely. Other side, he's just devilish. Doesn't give a fuck. Toys with his enemies, beats the ever living shit out of them, and they kind of made him super docile in the new iteration of him. And certain elements I do like about it, but it's just, especially I his transformation in the OG was great. Yeah, I yeah. And once again, I would, I, I actually, was I, not good. I was fine. I was fine with the revamp. Like his story revamp was fine. I was just more so. I wish he had kept that more devilish personality when he went into his legendary form, at least in the new. Absolutely. Like I, I, I would have yeah, that. that would have been that would have yeah. been sick. <laughs> been so sick if he was that much of an asshole still in like the newer iteration. But I, I did like the retcon of his story though. That that was more cleaner than him him being pissed at Goku just because he was crying as a baby. Yeah, that that was yeah, that, that was the one thing from the old one. I like the character. If you were to mix like the story. With like the character together, that yes. makes sense. <laughs> would have been sick. No, for sure, I agree. Yeah, but... By the way, that movie had clean animation. Yeah. Probably the best oh, yeah. I've seen ever. That art style is beautiful. Oh yeah. By the way, I want to let you guys both know, Breeze's news transformation the manga. He's black. I, 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 I don't want to hear this shit, bro. I don't want to hear this shit. <laughs> yes, sir. This guy is a card. He's a BT baby boy um, license. Who, who wait, wait, thought? wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, is he like black or something instead of gold? Yes, he he is black. He is really black. This nigga is just swapping colors at this point, bro. That's all he's doing. He's just swapping colors at this point. Oh, he's chameleon, though, for real. (laughs) People are making jokes. They're saying, like, you know, if you can't beat him, join him. And it's like him saying hello, (laughs) monkeys. Oh, because the monkey shit. Hell hell no. (laughs) (laughs) They made a black freezer. I'm fucking, I, I can't, bro. I do it. That's crazy. Uh, but going on to a different topic though um i want to actually talk about you on twitter and like your kind of rise because for people who don't know 10 is actually making moves on twitter right now he's getting his count built up pretty good and i respect the hustle i respect the grind so i just want to let you know like your input of like you know how things got that way for you like what made you want to go down this path all right so I really didn't even plan on getting on social media at all. I had deleted all my accounts like a couple of years ago, IG, Tinder, all of it, because I planned on just completely focusing on the work that I was doing and building myself up for um, the tech that I'm working on at the moment. But then I realized at a certain point, I'm going to need certain people, certain groups of people, certain individuals. And so I decided that I need to use certain social media platform for it i was gonna use facebook i thought about it but then i'm like it's too many boomers and and retards on there so no no i can't do that so i knew twitter had more intellectuals on there people who understood the world a lot better so that's why i joined that primarily and pretty much as i joined i kind of you know surfed around a a little bit deja vu 22 his his content was the one i found first and the most resonated with it completely a lot of his uh, spiritual elements and uh, mental model almost nearly identical to mine so he was one of the first few that i followed when i got on there and um i interacted with him and then his community and then pretty much guys who fuck with him i fuck with them at the same time so i kind of just grew on there my aim isn't really to get a super huge following that's just kind of a byproduct the main reason i got on there as i said before was to just find certain individuals the reason i can't state at the moment but it did work out completely like it actually worked out way better, a lot faster than I thought. I thought it'd take me like a year to kind of shift through Twitter to find the people I needed. But no, I found them in like two months. Actually, less than that. Oh, yeah. 
And what was I going to say? You were mentioning right. earlier off camera too that you there's different sides of squares and shit like that. Right. What made right. you like, be like, yeah, these guys are it? If I know you said you got something secret, but you think you share some of that? Yeah, yeah, actually, I share a bit. So I knew for sure there was like, you know, there's this right wing, left wing side, there's an anime side, you know, there's black Twitter. So I knew that was different variations and versions all pretty much converging onto the, on the platform. And so I didn't know at the time that it was called Money Twitter. But yeah, Deja Ru was already kind of linked to that. So I pretty much kind of went straight to there because I knew the people who were linked to him were probably pretty smart. And so as I saw more and more posts as I was on the site, you know, closing is one of them. Pierre's another. My boy Reese, uh, Mimic, Mimetic, he's another one as well. Jacob, I met a few of them as I was pretty much going through, and we all pretty much was dropping content, talking to each other. And I knew as I read their tweets and saw their posts, I knew these were men who they were go-getters. They they were hungry. They were ready. They were tired of just you know letting shit fly by and not being on top. And I I knew they were hungry to for a lot more out of life rather than, you know, where wherever they're currently at, what they were doing. And I was like, fuck, I need I need these fucking guys. Uh Lion's another OG as well. Well it's two lions. There's Lion Spectre, that's one of my boys as well. And then there's another um Lion who's more of like the marketing side. So uh, I kinda got on there, converged with them and you know, we're we're making moves behind the scenes. And No, I love that too, because what's it? Deja Ru, I've talked to him a few times in the group chat. He's one of the big accounts I don't know much of. Like we had, we're like cordial, but I'd love to get to know the guy more. But definitely, Lion, I consider him to be a good bro. Like that man, he is like he's great. He's great. He's yeah, he's great. a mastermind sometimes of some of this uh, shit. Like and, and uh, it, well, not to cut you off, but I do want to shout out Deja Ru. His name's Ruby. That's what we usually call him, and he's one of the first people that endorsed me on Twitter. So I do have to shout that out because he endorsed me like a month after I got in, and like he boosted me up to like. 200 or 250 followers like instantly so i am extremely grateful for that yeah we could try to get him on too i wouldn't mind having him on because i know i'm making plans right now to get lion on i just need to work with his schedule more gotcha. but there's a couple of big accounts on there like athenian stranger i want to try to get him on like some big right-wing accounts because i did a similar thing where actually i wouldn't say i did similar i kind of did like a mixed thing so I had a Twitter account, but I did not post anything for like a year and a half. I was only like, you know, searching and shit like that. And like reading shit. I didn't even reply. I like I did nothing. And I got tired, so sick and tired of people doing bullshit. I'm like, man, all you motherfuckers are wrong. I started just doing my own thing, shooting out my own things. And there was, yeah, there was a function of like, it's called Twitter spaces. I think we mentioned a few times people don't know. It's like a chat room, basically. I got in there and I kind of like surfed around all these different communities. So... It's like, I kind of look back in it now regretting it, but like I was able to like hang out, you know, like some British community, the Pan-African community, like everybody and their mother. You named the community on Twitter, I was like part of that crew for like a short period of time. And eventually, yeah, I went to like, you know, more right-wing Twitter and I hang out more with the philosophy bros, like, you know, Athenian line and the more like the esoteric shit. And I like hanging out with them because they didn't really give a fuck about normie politics. They're like, yeah, I only care about, you know, the gym, esotericism, and, like, you know, making sure our boys are doing all right, which is something right. you don't really see much in, like, you know, other spheres, like left-wing spheres, because I always say this, left-wing spear, that's like a pit of piranhas. You so much as cut yourself once and, like, have blood <laughs> in the pool, they're all coming for your ass. And they'll, like, self-cannibalize. I'm like, you don't really see that shit in the right. Like, yeah, we meme yeah. and shit like that, but, like, we already know, like, who's cool and who's chill like that. That's something I really like about right-wing Twitter. 
No, I would say that it's not necessarily as much infighting, but I do believe that there's a lot of collaboration on left wing spears of like if I had to signal boost um, for my like dedicated, dedicated at least devoted time period and left wing spares of Twitter. If you need to signal boost something, you can certainly have it happen in those like realms. But and that was like probably one of the things I did really enjoy about being part of that community as someone who's espoused similar beliefs to them. So it was very nice to have uh, those communities really like promote those ideas if you have something like very uh, important to discuss in such a manner. So they were holistically like, to be, be behind you in, in that way. So if you ever need to, uh, you know, if you ever need to hashtag Twitter.com, cancel somebody, you know, they're your guys. They're like, you know, <laughs> well, what, what is what is the mission? Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. There, there's some killers out there that are ready to just take take shit apart. So I, I do. I, I try to pay attention to a bit of all of it, um, but I'm. I'm not really short on time, but I do need to make moves. So I didn't have I didn't have the leeway like Soul had to kind of just like bounce around. Like I I need to look at the chessboard and pick one very quickly and go and move. And things progress, like I said, you know, far faster than I thought. And I do have to credit myself for that because as an authentic and quality person, you know, you you attract what you are. So I thought I'd have to, you know, kind of do it for a while to get people to notice. But no, I mean, people notice instantly. And so I was getting like Ego's another one. I, I don't know how the fuck I forgot about him, but Ego's another huge account that followed me and, and endorsed me pretty fast as well. And so, you know, as I got to know them over time, we all just clicked and, and shit just moved super, super fast. And nah, it's great. The esotericism as well. I'm not super huge on it. I know bits from my own personal journey. Um, I'm not super religious or anything, but I do I do heavy meditation. I'm definitely in tune with nature. I go on walks a lot. Um, I love silence more than anything else. Like unlike unlike a lot of you know my other brothers out there who had to blast music all the time, I'll sit and I'll meditate for like three hours on end, and I can do it at like the drop of a hat. I've been meditating for about five years now. So it's definitely calming, it's peaceful, gets my mind very clear. And it's something I wish a lot more people did, for sure. Recently, you talked about, and you've been posting on Twitter about this fast. Do you want to go into that? <laughs> like, what is that? Yeah, I'm just curious. So the famous 100-hour dry fast, that shit was crazy. So uh, obviously, you know, everyone's crediting Ruby Ford, and he's the one that had pretty much everyone going on it but that, that man's an enigma how he how'd he get all of twitter to fucking do a fast is insane his influence is is incredible and so you know i had i had already been fasting before i didn't even realize this but for most of my life i've been intermediate fasting so you know not eating for like the first eight hours of the day or whatnot so i had already been doing that and then i've done 24 hours here and there once i got to ruby's content you know when i first joined he was talking about the benefits of 48 hour fasting so i did that here and there as well you know, clock back to a week ago, he talks about the full, super full moon, perfect time to reset your body fast and everything. So I'm like, fuck it. I've been doing 48. And I think he recommended if you've been doing fasting for a while, try to do 72. I said, fuck it. That's exactly what I'm going to do. You know, once I got to like the second day, I'm in a group chat with, you know, some of my boys. And one of them says that he did 90, that he's going to do, he did 96 hours. He started early before the full moon so on that day of he stopped but he said he did 96 hours and i was like holy shit he did 96 i said fuck it i have to go to 100 and i'm gonna do it because i had already not eaten or drank anything so i was already doing a dry fast but i was gonna drink water that day but once he said he did 96 i said fuck it i was gonna do 100 and then once he told me he did water with it i was like shit i had already agreed to do the dry fast to 100 so i had to kind of commit to it i was on day two i said fuck it i might as well just go through the whole thing 
and that experience was great for sure the first um 50 hours wasn't too bad but once you get to the 50 55 mark the hunger really 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 sets in so like you really fight you're fighting your body at that point to eat and i won't even lie like like about two times i almost drank water instinctively like i grabbed a bottle and was starting to take the top off until i realized oh shit I almost drank this fucking this water. Nah, nah, I had to put it back. But once you get to like the 70, 75 mark and up, hunger it just subsides almost completely. Like it wasn't even like my stomach didn't feel anything. I wasn't like looking at it. I didn't I didn't want it. You know, the clarity is, is there. When, when people say that, it's because the hunger subsides. So now you're not even thinking about fucking food anymore. You're not thinking about drinking. And that clears up your mind for other things. I assume that's what the ascension means is now now that your body no longer craves food your mind is super sharp and you can focus on other stuff so i I came up with a lot of twitter bangers during that time some work that i had been doing i solved that pretty fast um a lot of other side projects the clarity of mind is the biggest part of it plus i lost some of the the little the tiny bit of fat i had i burnt like like what like the like five percent of my body fat within the period because i was still working out by the way yeah yeah, so uh, now, now I wasn't doing any super intense workouts. Like I was doing some jogs, and you know I was using some small dumbbells, like fifteen weight, twenty. I wasn't doing anything too crazy, so I was sweating a bit. But the the, the fatigue that people talk about, I didn't experience the fatigue or the dizziness. All without drinking water. Yeah, all yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I a hundred percent did a like I I can even show you texts from people that I've talked to and like, bro, like drink water, drink water. Hell, even the group chat I was in, when I told my boys I hadn't drank water in three days, they were like, bro, you're gonna fucking die. What are you doing? Yeah, because it causes <laughs> organ failure after like right, after right. Like 48 hours, you're causing <laughs> organ failure. So I was thinking the same thing, but you know, I, I had to DM my doctor to make sure that everything was good. My my doctor's deja vu, by the way. Whenever I have a medical issue, that's the guy I DM. That's that's the only person you need to be talking to for any medical issues. And he was like, Yeah, no, the three day is fine um but if you do start to feel anything too crazy definitely like stop and go drink but some people can have done it up to a week some people have done it up to up to two weeks so i wasn't gonna chance it that long i have shit to do i, I got other stuff i got going on but i i had already promised to do the 100 so as the man that i am i'm gonna stick to it um but no for sure it was an enlightening experience i grew a, a far more appreciation for water and food as well because once i drank my first bit of water <laughs> When I say that water, oh my God, man, that water tasted so pure and energetic. Y'all do not understand how great that fucking water felt when that shit touched my lips. It was it was fantastic. It's funny I you recommend- mentioned too. There's like a priest out in Africa in like Ethiopia. He tried to do a thirty fucking day fast, and I'm like, bro, no way. <laughs> and it was a water fast, so he drank water. Okay. He went to the 28th day and collapsed of organ failure. And then when they revitalized him and recovered him, like the hospital, he got pissed off. I was like, why didn't you guys let me go to our two days? And I'm like, bro, <laughs> you literally had organ failure. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, um, no, that's a huge. I definitely plan on doing Ramadan as well. Because when we were in our group chats talking, like at that point, I had already did up to three days of dry fast so i know i can handle ramadan because that that's just an extreme form of intermediate fasting i think it's from sunset to sunrise you can't eat anything um and i if i recall not drink but i did it for four days i did it for 100 hours so i know i can handle an intermediate version of that absolutely no problem and to be honest with you i could have kept going with this one but like i said i i I got work i got stuff i got to do i am trying to slowly bulk up so i do need to start eating back up again and the recovery too by the way uh, Ruby's right about that. I couldn't eat anything too wild. I started with like 
Um, I had like a beef broth soup. I had a bunch of vegetables and, and fruits as well and some water and uh, some salt. And so I couldn't even finish the soup in its entirety. I did finish the vegetables even the next day. Well, yesterday, I couldn't eat too much either. I got some yogurt. You know, I got some milk. I'm just starting to get my appetite back up completely. And so today I had like a um, some chicken Alfredo that I made. Stomach's feeling fine. So I didn't go overdo it. But tomorrow I'm eating a fucking steak because I missed some red meat and I, I need some rare steak tomorrow. So I'm definitely making that. My personal advice, though, be careful with that because I'm Catholic and I do fast regularly where... Oh. Um, Sundays I only drink water and unless there's a certain like day of feast basically where it permits me to eat meat yeah. and I do that but we have a thing called Lent and we do it like you know it's a full month thing and it's basically meant you give up something that you're commonly used to like having so some people young men are like oh Misa swearing a lot I'm gonna give up swearing or I'm gonna give up you know alcohol me I gave up eating meat so I was basically meat and um alcohol and, like soda so I was only drinking water and eating vegetables and fish that's the only thing I was eating for a whole month and definitely that first week hits you like a truck basically and I'm like holy crap like you, it's weird because like there's some things you don't pay attention to to how much you consume I'm like yeah. fuck I really ate a lot of meat like you know pause when I was like working and shit like that, like, and, um, what's it for my job? And then I was like, yeah, taking it out of my diet, like really messed things up. But what's it called? When I, after a month of me, like basically it's called Mediterranean diet. We only eat fish and like vegetables and water. Right. I had my first like red meat. Basically I ate um, some lamb that destroyed my stomach instantly. It went in and out like that. And I'm like, Ooh, so if you're going to eat a steak, make sure you have like little bits and pieces first. And then, like, yeah, you don't want to, like, destroy your shit, basically. Oh, no, 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 yeah, no. So I'm still actually eating very, very, very slowly. So I I did take Ruby's advice to heart. Like, I I haven't dove into a meal like some other people have. And once again, they can. Because some people only did the 48 hours. So they're they're fine with picking up their food a lot faster. But once again, I did 100, and I did no food and no water. So I was told that it's going to take a couple days for my body to acclimate completely. So that's exactly what I've been doing. So I, I'm taking my time. I, I was going to eat some chicken because, you know, <clears throat> as a nigga, I did need to crave chicken immensely. But I'm going to just God, hold that man. off until my, yeah, I'm going to hold that off until my body's, you know, completely settled and ready for it. Uh, you said it, not me on that one. But I don't want to get yeah, I don't want to get clipped or anything. <laughs> he, the craziest, what made it crazy is that he said, and then proceeded to say it. So that was. <laughs> nah, it's funny. Like, you'll figure out, Ten, if you ever, like, get out of your, um, well, I guess, or, like, your circle of people and you try to venture, you're going to find a lot of haters that want to tear you down. Oh, no, I had this no, no. one guy for months. He, any recording I had in this space, he would sit there and listen, and I'd let him because I'm like, I'm in your head rent free. I don't give a fuck. And he would purposely take, like, let's say three hour long recordings and clip like one sentence fragments out of there of me saying something out of context and post it on his channel and be like, look at this crazy all right racist what he's saying here. I'm like, bro, that's not even in context. Like, and then I don't know. It's just 
I could literally say shit like, you know, I love waffles, and then he would quote tweet that shit like, oh, so what's wrong with pancakes? You hate pancakes, bro? What's up? And I'm like, bro, what? <laughs> like, that's a whole complex sentence. I didn't say that shit. Like, what do you mean, pancake waffles? No, these people are insane. Yeah, I've had, already had your own hater. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations to both of you. Um, um, just, just, since we're all speaking about Twitter and all that, uh, you know, as you build up to prominence, you know, there's going to be a collective of individuals who are just like, I just want to see the fall of this one. I'm, I'm like Tariq Nasheed in that button up, you know, when you see someone you've always just like <laughs> finally get his up and comings, you know, that happens, that occurs. But um, in terms of uh, hater stories, uh, do you have any? Do you, have you encountered your first hater? Uh, yes, no, I've, I've encountered plenty already. Like I have, once again, I'm, I'm not going to name them. They, they already know who they are, but they comment almost every single post every story i tell they're there they're quote tweeting ha hating already but as someone that experienced a lot of it when i was a child um, i didn't tell my backstory too much but um you know where i grew up in i grew up in the projects so for the first 14 years of my life um i grew up in a hood area low low income i dealt with a couple of you know bloods here and there some of my family of them are as well a lot of violence i've seen shit as a 10 12 year old i shouldn't have been seeing so i grew to that very very quickly and i acclimated so the idea of the tolerance i built for haters and dealing with shit that, that doesn't concern me i had already achieved that when i was like a teen so even coming on to here i already knew there was gonna be people that was gonna was gonna hate the shit i was saying you know calling me racist like oh oh you're you're, you're a black supremacist you don't like your own all this other shit i was already ready i was already prepared my mental fortitude is far higher than most people you ever meet in your life. And so I actually have fun with it. I, 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 toy, I toy with my haters. I, I gain immense power from the fact that I'm in their mind so fucking much that they can't help but talk about me all the time. So I actually relish in it, unlike most people. I know, Hazy, your old account, didn't you have a bunch of haters and shit? I, uh, I had a uh, feedback loop. Of all of all the individuals, I had been collecting, uh, I had been amassing, <laughs> collecting <laughs> an accord of, uh, of of haters of, of individuals who uh, we, I thought we were all in agreement. I thought it was not necessarily haters per se. It was just a bunch of individuals in which uh, dealing in more progressive spheres of uh, of discussion and discourse, uh, you you sort of find yourself around more radical people who are like, let's push the uh, you know gas pedal even further. Let's see what this 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 hoe can really do, man. I'm to whip this thing you know that sort of individuals you know accelerism to the max you know and uh <laughs> so with that oh. being understood um naturally when you might have some reservations about particular subject matters or topics and then they find out wait we're not all in collective agreement hey get this man he 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 with the car i said no nah, man you don't understand i <laughs> I, I, I like um uh, sleeves in my hoodies it's the principle <laughs> now <laughs> <laughs> it's that it's those sort of moments you know someone someone's like oh it's okay to expose this uh dude's uh you know schmeet to the world because you know he's a he's a he's a he's a bigot and all that it's it's kind of uh now okay i'm like hey i know i get that but isn't that kind of like sexual harassment Oh, bro, this boy is sucking up tomato monkeys. No, no, no. Those comments are wild. Like, when, when, whenever, whenever I talk about race mixing or, like, <laughs> you would not believe the flurry of comments I get 
whenever I, I I talk about it. Like dudes are just or they're going in, bro. They can't stand it. You know. You no, know, my they, favorite they, thing is um, not to. Holy my favorite thing, um, being in those sort of spaces uh, and having certain political plan elections for the time being, I did. Um, I thought I was like, oh, we can have a small disagreement. And then all of a sudden, a lot wow. of interactions nope. just stopped. Oh, no, they just dropped like flies. It was just the immediate dropping of all that. So I was like, you know what? I stick to my principles when it came to this. I just, it's like a hard no when it comes to like sexually harassing people and, you know, just yeah. being okay with doing that. And it's like, all right, you know what? I'm le- I felt like uh, Drake, uh, no more. I'm leaving. I'm gone. Uh, so I, I decided to hide my account and be like, all right, I'm out of here. I mean, I'm on a smaller account. I say whatever I want uh, in, in the sense that, like, it's still representative of everything I believe. And, yeah. you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't really comport to, like, an expectation of what's supposed to be expected from my account. So that's right. that, that, that makes me more happier than the um, and being the fervent individual. Like, like, in terms of extreme shit that was going on. Um, podcasters or um, people who had very unsavory opinions about like uh, black athletes, I was like the first one to yeah. be like, ah, yes, I wonder why no one's like praising, why no one's mourning his death. And I'll be just posting the shit that was going on. I said, like, I had, I had, I don't know. I don't, I, I said, like, this wasn't productive to the conversation. And now I look back at some of that, I'm like, you know what? I could have, could I have handled it better? Yes. Did I want to handle it better? No, and I think that's good to understand that you know <laughs> you you can have that lapse of judgment. You can you can, so long as you're willing to that's get true. better and all of it. So um, that was that's like my basic. I promise to both of you right now on the Bible, these bitches better start calling me Batman. By the way, I got a rogue gallery. Like I did, I got a rogue gallery of haters. Like I'm just like, all right, bet, let's do this today. It's actually hilarious. No, um, no, go ahead, go ahead, solo. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you that question going into it, so. I'm going to try to say this as bluntly. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. How is it no, being a black man? On, yeah, how is it being a black <laughs> man on right-wing Twitter? Because uh, I'm going to be real with you, like, sometimes, like, I saw a post of, like, um, it was this dude commenting on, like, you know, a white chick being like, you know, damn, she's doing some hoe shit, and he was black. Immediately underneath it was, like, some extremist right-wing account being like, You stay away from my white queen, you baboon! I'm like, God damn! And I'll check, like, that dude's account, and I'll go down, and I'll do the same account being like, This guy's literally my brother. I'm like, bro, what is this? This is, like, some, like, split personality shit right now. My favorite yeah, comment I've yeah. got in terms of being part of, like, very much Cocoa Butter, you know, uh, a Twitter account. Uh, I remember a while back ago, I didn't show my face, but I usually wore masks and sunglasses the way I do now. Um, I think um, for a time being, I had, like, a unibrow going out, and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to wear it. I don't really care. And I wasn't, like, I wasn't the most social person. I was an indoors individual. I started using 13-letter words to describe my innate and enamored love of, of uh, anime. You know, the Hikigumoto otakus, those guys. But um, during this time period, I decided to shave my, um, my unibrow. And I got the most eloquently, most poetically put together um, message in my DMs where someone said to me, you don't understand the, um, the, 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 the apparatus of society and how it perceives you as a black man. You will oh, never, wow. you, you will never, 
you would never appease these individuals you so de desperately desire to be them. Soon enough, you should die. You should dye your hair, dye your hair, and seek for a queen uh, as Pella Snow. But unfortunately, you will be nothing more than a genetic dead end because you will never um, have a woman who will be appeased by such a weak-minded man. And I'm like, what if I told you that this comment was given to me because I shaved my eyebrows? Get off my dick! Oh my god! Get off my dick. Oh my god. Well, all this is over. You shaving your eyebrows? I should look. I've got a couple DMs like that too. No, it's insane. Like I've gotten just regular comments where, like, um, there was this one comment a while back. It's some guy on on Twitter who talks about you know, uh, Blasians or whatnot, like blacks and Asians getting together and how it's wrong and they can't be. And so I posted a picture because I've I've been with you know I've been with a variety. Like I, I don't I don't give a fuck. I'm not with only black women. I love them all: white, Asian, Latino, Russian. I, you know, I've had a mixed variety at this point. And so I was I, under the comment, I talked about how you know I actually love Asian women. They're actually super feminine. You know, they're they're one of the few. Like I think they're one of the best. Like up top, like top tier with like white girls up there. And I posted it. And when I say there was like thirty plus comments of dudes just going bananas saying. Asians don't like black men. You're probably ugly as fuck. You, you know, you're probably skinny as shit. I post a physique, obviously. I'm not super, super buff yet, but you know, I have to I have tone. I got some muscle there. And I'll, if you go to the likes for it, I'll, I'll probably post it later. But like a couple of Asian girls liked it, obviously. You know, I'm I'm, I'm a handsome ass man. But the, after that post of the picture, I mean, you're you're, you're a straight up nigger. I I can't believe you do this. You know, you you probably only got with fat ones anyway. None of them don't like it. Was it was insane, man? The way they go a wall. And bananas. It's, I, I don't. I don't know. What, I don't know if it's just an incel type thing, or they're just so that insecure about who they are. And it could be fixed if they just switch their mind view and their mindset on the world. But they're so filled with hate that they can't see how they project, and they'll never get a woman because, well, look at the shit you're saying and doing on Twitter, bro. Look, look at the way you project yourself onto the shit that you want out of life, and this is how you act. I mean, it's no wonder you're ever gonna get a chick if you're doing this stupid shit. But yeah, no, it's I, I relish in it. I, I gain immense satisfaction. Like I've never had any issues with women once I started to fully understand them around like 2021. And when I self-reflected on what I who I am as a man, it became increasingly easier to be with and deal with women and be around women. And they're literally, as a lot of people say, a reflection of you because they follow your lead. They, they mimic your mannerisms. They care about what you care about, how how they perceived pleasing you, taking care of you. And as long as you're doing your job as a man, they'll they'll automatically do their job as a woman. You know what? Speaking on that, I want to speak. I, 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 we're, we're having a bit of a we're having a bit of a moment with um, speaking on females. These uh -huh. these these women, these feet. I I I'm I really want to delve into some schizo jokes, but I, I'm no, afraid girl, that no. one day no, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna have, I'm gonna be cut out. I'm like, well, <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. I, I will defend you. Look, when it happens, call call <laughs> at me at me, and I will come defend you. Fuck these people. All right, we can't let them keep having these voices. Fuck them, bro. I'm not. I'm never gonna get censored. By the way. Once Absolutely. I'm, nah, fuck it, bro. I'm, I'm gonna be yeah, raw all the time. I'm, unlike, you know, certain people Shimmy when they got big and famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unlike who, the rest of these people, huh? who, who, yeah, who get famous and you know filter themselves. No, fuck all that. All right. Once, yeah. once I'm in the millions, once I'm up there, I don't give a fuck. I'll be this this podcast. Absolutely. Post this five years from now, and it'll be that I'll be talking the exact same way. I don't I care. People, I've had a run God. for too long. But yeah, go ahead. But the thing that um. It's, it's just it's just not to say that I like I wouldn't stand behind my own jokes, but to say that like you know um, not being a big account often leads people to go well we're not looking up the context for whatever this is, especially if it's a podcast. But to uh, speak about females, um, I think it's kind of interesting is that the thing that I believe 
um, really got to me when I started, like, just not, you know, when you're younger, you might be obsessive about dating and trying to get with someone, yeah. like, oh, I got to be in a relationship, but, you know, yep. I ain't shit if I'm not. That, and that, that's then, every guy, yep, that's, that's all of us. <laughs> and then you start to reek of desperation, which is unattractive no matter what gender you are, but it becomes more apparent when you're, like, not able to take a no or you try to ask for explanation or why. And so people get to these delusions of, Oh, women don't like me because I'm a nice guy. I'm, I'm the, I'm, I'm the, I'm yep. the charismatic. I'm, I'm the, I'm the person in those stories. You know, she was high heels. I was sneakers. Uh, sort of individual. <laughs> you know, that sort of rationale, that copium, that pure cocorina, uh, uh, Cuban cup, <laughs> cocorina. Uh, That's a good. I'm gonna uh, start using that. Uh, um, and so they get into that mindset, but in actuality, is is that more of that organic um, dynamic that plays into it? I believe that. Just putting your, yourself forward is probably the best gamble. You're going to find someone who wants to be with you rather than putting forward a facade and letting that slowly erode through time because it is a false facade of who you are. And eventually, you're, you can't be that 100% of the time. Like, And I think that's uh, even people who are like, oh, you got to act like this, this, and that. I'm like, ameliorate things to make yourself a better person and be the like maximize the positive traits of who you are rather than trying to be a character because overall eventually if you're going to be living with somebody who you might have gotten from this false facade of who you are eventually it's going to erode away and eventually all that's left is going to be who she probably had no interest of being with at all and you don't want to get down the line and waste your time or years being with an individual who eventually would never have accepted you for you so i think that's a on that too i always say this Imagine yourself as a guitar. When you pick up a guitar, even if you're not a musician, you gotta tune it. So let's say you have this you tune it where it's too loose, the sound's gonna be wonky, it's gonna be lazy. You have it too tight, it's gonna be strict and rigid, it's not gonna like bend or make any sound. That's how I see like people. So if you're being too loose, quote unquote, you're just like dating whoever, you're letting anyone go in, your standards are like two to fucking ground. And you're going to get disrespected. You're going to get walked on as a yeah. man. And even if you're a woman, too, you know, don't be like a whole like gun for like sleazy dudes. Like, you know, try to keep some standard modesty for yourself. But on the other end, you keep it too tight where you have this mentality like, oh, I'm only going to wait for me to get like, you know, a 100 out of 10 woman, like some Brazilian supermodel. And I'm not dating anything below that. And it's like, you know, she got to speak like eight languages. She has to have a PhD. I'm like, bro, what? Like this woman only exists in your head in a fantasy. And this is more of women, though. Women do shit a lot where they're like, oh, I only want a guy who's like 6'5", has six figures, you know? He's like this tall. He does this things. I'm like, bro, that doesn't exist. That's like celebrities. That's like, nah, that's not real. So, but so, that's, no. that's my advice, yeah. No, What's no, your no. advice, Ken? What do you have to so, abuse the kids out here listening? Uh, so my philosophy on that is uh, people have lost or rather forgotten uh, the basic understanding of what men want and what women want. You know, the guitar thing is a huge, super huge example, right? The string, the tuning, but it's still a guitar at the end of the day. And it, it's a guitar for everyone, but how you tune that. But the basics of the guitar applies to everyone, right? So there are certain things that men and women are inherently attracted to because they are opposites, right? It's literally yin and yang. Everything you want in a woman, um, she wants the opposite out of you. So it's 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 always been that way. A lot of people know that instinctively, which is why women are attracted to the same like kind of masculine man, right? You know, he's he's provider, he pays for things, he at least has some muscle, he's charismatic, confident, like they're all attracted to those traits because it's the inverse of their own traits, right? 
guys are risk takers. Women are risk adverse. You know, guys are very confident. You know, women women are kind of you know they they are very very insecure. Obviously, for for a good reason, they have to protect themselves. Um, men can handle rejection a lot more because you know they're they're supposed to be more battle hardened, right? They have to go out and seek and do things. They have to experience hardship. Whereas women are more sheltered, more innocent. You know, they if they explore too much or do anything on their own. Because of their emotionality and how they'll listen to it all the time for everything, they kind of fuck themselves over. And that's the entire point. So we've lost this basis of it. And as you were saying uh, earlier, Hayes, is that you can you can you need to learn at least some of those basics and then you be and then you be yourself. Learn the foundation so you can you can learn all of that and still kind of play video games and still kind of be a nerd. But if you at least know a lot of the masculine traits and 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 understand them just knowing them isn't even enough either if you don't understand why you are attracted to certain things from a woman and why she's attracted to those certain things from you 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 can't you can't press forward you're just kind of like what the red pill guys do or you know some of them some are actually super great but overall it's kind of been tarnished to where if you have to follow these set rules tips and guidelines this is how you get women but if you don't understand why some of that stuff works you still get fucked over and they don't understand why like they're not getting the relationships they want it's because you're just following a guidebook but you don't know why the guidebook was made you don't know the intention behind the guidebook so that's my I agree with that is, is understanding yourself on a more deeper level and then i agree to extent agree um i think that some people um think women do have feminine natures but also simultaneously they do have a lot of emotional maturity i think that yeah. men can be stoic and be very like forthcoming but at the same time they can have that uh, egotism that like creates an oversight of uh, understanding how humility can be a guiding principle in a lot of ways that can elevate you in ways you could have never imagined. Um, I think that all these elements of like human um, human tendencies can definitely be negative or positive. But I also, also believe sure. that um, you have to find a balance for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Finding the balance is is key. I think that one of the things I see is um in terms of red pill movements in terms of where they are misguided is usually the idea that there is some fundamental truths that we can all tether ourselves to but the problem is that they come to such bizarre conclusions that don't serve any of us to some regard yeah, or like don't really like for example some people might say things like the nature of well men are supposed to recruit assets while women are supposed to look for men with assets Dis dismissing the notion of simply on the face of it that women do desire to have their own financial income to be independent to some regard. I mean, we hear these mantras trumped all the time, and I do pre present and push people to do so because I think that there's a um, beauty to being independent, to having that sort of freedom. I think ultimately, I think people love that sort of sense of personhood that can be endowed by that independence. But at the same time, um, there's a danger to perceiving your relationship as being this transactional. Like, it doesn't lend itself well to romanticism or intimacy between the two sexes. Right. If I, if you know, I, if I was to believe this as being, like, the baseline of solid truth of society, I would probably, at, if anything, be have an animosity or be adverse to dating to some regard, unless I was, um, if I fully believed in that as the baseline of all relationships, I would kind of look at all of dating as transactional. 
It's the force of like emotion to some regard because this is the baseline. They're all in it for something out of me. Therefore, there is no purpose of just espousing or pursuing a woman under any guise of emotionality. Rather, I'm just trying to ensure that I have created a foundation in which she could never leave me even if she wanted to or something of that nature. Like if you were going through that cold calculation, that would be like depressing. I would never want to be in a relationship. If no, I was like, that's, a, that, that's a huge point, Hayes, because that's how so many people see it. Right. And. Uh, perception is so important for how you perceive something that's happening to you, right? Like, you know, people talk about the maid and the wife thing. That's a huge one. People say, well, well, you know, the wife's being a maid and you're treating her like a maid, but then in the wife's eyes, I'm keeping the place clean. I'm, I'm making sure things are, are cluttered. I love taking care of the home. Like, like they'll, it can be the exact same thing happening, but how you look at it can be so different. So in this example that you're saying is it's purely transactional. And, th and that is true, by the way, all, all of it is transactional, but there's multiple layers to it. And women obviously seek men for protection and finance and guidance. And so obviously you have you as a man have capabilities to where you can increase those layers as much as possible. So if you do have, you know, your own place, you do have money and bread. That's just one aspect. How are you in the emotional aspect? How are you in the physical aspect? How are you in the sexual aspect? You can't just have just that one. Just like the red pill talks about, if you, if, you know, if you get six figures, get all this, you'll have these types of women. But they're still failing immensely. But that's because that's just one basis of it. You still have to. Um, obtain and increase your value in all the other areas. So you'll still attract these types of women, but retaining is a whole different game. And yeah, it's ideal. Right. Like right. I, I, I always go back to what I always prescribe it to, like black coffee roast, um, like um, philosophy. Like people always talk about what their ideal is, but more often than not, when it comes to dating, in terms of baseline, you'll probably see people who are having sex with like. The Madonna's employee having sex with the Madonna's employee, probably someone in Duncan, probably someone in close proximity to one another. Usually, people are dating within the proximity, and this is usually within their own economic um, status as well. So, right. while yeah, the dark rose philosophy often implores us to say things of the nature of, "I want a man who can do all these things, like can defend me or um, defend me and like provide finances." More often than not, well, like we're not like waiting around the corner for like the next uh Carlton Tiger Hidden Dragon movie to transpire where we're like, ah yes, eight dudes. I should have known I should have bought my <laughs> <laughs> my Shengan Wu. Like we're not usually in the circumstances and probably that's probably like the most horrifying circumstances or situations to even be in for a woman to see like a man be in a situation where he could potentially like lose his life or right. like to be harmed significantly. Like that's like for me, um uh, even someone who has been jumped before, um, probably the scariest like look or I've ever seen and horrifying in someone's face is probably a woman's note and saying, "I was like, well, I'm gonna get jumped because I just wasn't gonna get my wallet up." But it was like that that sort of scary thing of seeing her going like being horrified because she 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 would want to help, but most people when you get you're getting jumped, you're like, I, "I'm just gonna make things worse and potentially get harmed significantly worse." Right, right. And, you know, and even then, she I would back the fuck away. She would, she would have said to herself, he's going to feel worse because he did all this to protect us. And what would be the point of that if I get in and I endanger myself in that situation? Too? Right. So at the same time, I feel as though there's a lot of good baselines in terms of some, but some conclusions are so absurd and to the point where yeah. I'm just like, no, I think there's some sort of biological element that does play into like our dating world and how we act in some regard. But I 
don't believe the opposite either where sometimes leftists go into this world of everything is just merely a byproduct of social conditioning where it's like no, no, no actually not <laughs> actually everything's a social yeah. construct bro everything's just yeah, a social no, construct that, i hate that it, bullshit it, you know if you look through history you, you can see that that's an absolute lie by the way like people people forget entirely that we've been on this planet for there's thousands of years there have been multiple societies and when you sit here and try to say, okay, well, multiple societies and the most, the ones that lasted the longest, that were the healthiest, had a lot of these same traditional rules. Of course, you know, that plays into the part of why they survived and they were so great for so long. Now we're going to sit here the past 50 years and just kind of wipe all that away. And we're confused on how fucked, how fucked shit is, right? Like they, they stayed that stable for that long for a very specific reason. We're doing the exact opposite and we're literally on the decline immensely and people can't put two and two together. So obviously, you know, some of the stuff back then was, bar you know, completely barbaric, but you have to be able to look in between the lines. You know, just like a lot of people talk about how arranged marriage is absolute shit and, and vetting. But it's like when you look at it on a far deeper level, you know women having their complete own agency to pick their own men has ruined them look at the past 30 years of them just picking and going after whoever listening to their their their, their gut or their emotional feeling of picking a man the baby mama epidemic epidemic in the black community of divorce rates high as hell and when you look at the core of that you see that the women stopped bringing them the men that they wanted to their father to vet right you know the, the father's not being present is a whole separate thing or men being weak you know th that's a separate topic but during that basis the reason why a lot of a lot of that dynamic was strong back then was because the men of the family vetted the guy that you know the woman was interested in are you capable enough to take care of my daughter to date my daughter to be with her i have to see that now that that part's gone women are just listening to themselves and and you and you can see why the destruction the self-destruction happens that's why the duality of man and woman is needed is because they help each other make better decisions that's always been the point so since we've gotten rid of strong fathers that's that's a huge that's like 90% of why shit's fucked anyway is that that base level of of unity is completely gone in so many aspects of society i do think that guidance from a man can be helpful in terms of dating um, I mean, like, you know, vetting is definitely a thing. I think overall, yeah. more of a communal facet is usually um, what helps out a lot of people. I think um, reframing from any sort of sense of community definitely harms people's ability to usually do well in society. Um, something like a, as a baseline, something to go to or at least um, prime you for success, that absolutely helps out. I think um, when we look at Hasidic Jews or like Amish like communities, um, they do successful because they're very into they're interwoven into one another. They're, they're in yep. each other's business. Jewish they're very much like, yep. so, so like divorce of gender in it itself is like usually how these things function in, in the sense right. that like they're ensuring that each person is doing well because they're in each other's business. They're ensuring to like not to say that it's not in the pervasive nature of you can't sleep or you can't be at nighttime right. without me knowing where you're at but more importantly just the notion of ensuring that they, they are um they are um basically all each other priming and establishing yeah. each other for success while right. sure that there is um women out there who may have not picked the best man do believe that there is um to some regard um that false provado that sometimes men can provide and the big life theory does exist within society um how it can be so um opulent so grandiose in nature that someone can convince you that they can do better than they ever could have and before you realize that they have like sort of given you like a false dream to some regard yeah. and 
So like, I think that vetting definitely helps because I think it's like a family thing. Like 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 family dinners. Like I, you're coming to see my family is usually like a collective. Like not just usually the father, but really like there's a family. There's something about him seem off putting. Like this right. that sort of like investigative moment of we're testing this person's character to ensure that there was something good about him. That's why the family dinner is like a, a, a tumultuous like leap for the person. Um, um, dating the individual in question. It's usually like a moment of showing sh- showing proof, showing proof. Like, all right, I I am dating somebody, but can I show you that she deserves to be with me, and I can ensure right. that she has a good future? It's is more or less. That's all um, a part of the betting process. It's all it's yeah, all a part so, of it. Every single bit. So that's absolutely so like, true. So like while it as um and even um and sometimes I think of um how some people I think lack that sort of accountability to be there in the church's life to ensure i would i could never it, it almost feels nightmarish or like um for me personally to have made a child or to like and, and, and not to ensure even if my even if me and the mother do not like each other to not ensure i do everything to to know that child is loved that the child is um cared for and i can do everything in my in my ability to, to ensure that kid understands that even if we don't get along you understand that you are wanted and that you are brought in this world with the purposes of ensuring that you have a good life as well. Because I think that could, like, that definitely probably messes with the foundation of a child who might not have a broken family, who might not um, live in a world where he believes that he was wanted to be, even begin with. So, again, right. I think that even external to like a gender, uh, um, like prime, like primary goals of like whether or not the father is judging, whether or not women are choosing. I think usually these communal guidance aspects are far succeeding in that nature because it's usually like everyone's in each other's business to assure that everyone is like improving in some facet of nature. So that would be my thought about that. No, I'd say take it a step further. You were talking about earlier, you know, like divorce rate and shit like that. You see that shit was encouraged actually during like civil rights era and stuff like that where, and here's my theory. So I like reading about like political theory and history, shit like that. And I was reading a lot into Thomas Sowell a lot because, you know, he actually made some good points and he was saying like the divorce rate prior to, you know, the whole civil rights act was like for the black community it was like down like it was like 10% divorce rate 10%, yep, 10% super low then, yep. yeah i was like bro what and then he was like now what he said the government did was like okay now we're going to treat you equal we're going to fuck you over in different ways so it was like first we go and flood your community so like cocaine shit yep. second we're going to basically make us as the government being your sugar daddy so your women yep. are going to want to come to us instead of like being with a husband and stuff like that like food stamps and all shit like that and I'm like, fuck, like, reading this shit, reading, like, you know, comments, like, people, like, even Nixon, Nixon had, like, a whole spiel in it, talking about, like, hey, we need to put a lid on the black community, we can't let them do this shit, or this shit, or this shit. And I'm like, what? Like, I don't know, to me, that's just crazy, but, like, it's just, I agree with you on that. Like, especially if you look into, like, Eastern traditions, like, Japan, India, and shit like that, when they have arranged marriage, like, Hollywood tries so hard to make that shit look, like, pedophilic, like, evil. Absolutely yeah. Yeah, but in reality, like you know, fucking like arranged marriages, you know the person, you speak of them. It's like a whole like year process, and then the family, of course, has everything plans. But it's not like you know the woman's being like, "Oh, dad, I don't love this person," and right. dad's like, "Oh, that's too bad, daughter. You're stuck with this man forever." And like he's know, only listening to the daughter, you know. That's a huge aspect, um, Solo, because the what Hollywood has done, and 
I won't say, you know, I'll say the government, what they have done is very elaborate. You know, they took a lot of actually good traditions and they framed it in such a way that it was just completely negative. You know, I, I won't even talk about how, you know, they, they framed, um, I think the color purple was what it was. Kevin Samuels talked about it before and how they used that, that, that movie and that book to pretty much scare women into no longer even wanting black men because they thought they were all abusive when it, when in actuality it was a very entirely small fraction, but that book and movie alone just, just destroyed trust within the community. So that's just one aspect that range marriage thing you talk about. It, it, it doesn't even go the way people see in Hollywood where it's like, you know, the father just picks someone, you know, the woman only sees, sees the person that, that, you know, he, he's arranged like once or twice throughout the year. No, they actually get to know each other. They actually come over each other's house. They play that. They, they, and a lot of the times they've known each other since childhood. The families actually had children and planned on marrying them off and get them to know each other. And they would instill values into both kids. So the marriage would be highly successful. And the rates, I think arranged marriage has the highest rate of, of success out of all of them. And so it obviously worked for a reason. It worked very well. Of course, you know, people love to cherry pick and pick the very, very bad marriages, um, you know, or the ones that ended very badly. But when you look at the vast majority that succeeded and that were healthy and the people that were happy, that's not looked at. So people look at the ones that didn't work out or that were tarnished or that were, you know, kind of abusive. And, and he just the father just kind of did whatever daughter had no say so and all this. Like they, they literally look at the outlier. And this is what happens a lot of times. Right. Where when people don't like what they see, they look for the taught, the smallest thing to find and take that out. And this can't work because it didn't work for this five percent, but it worked for the ninety five. So why are we only focusing on the five percent? But that's that's a lot of what people do. And the government played that part very well when instilling these layers of distrust into the entire society. Well, yes, the crack academic, I do believe, had very, um, like, unmeasurable, like, damage, and bad, objectively bro, speaking, it, it really in bad, terms of, however, I would say that in terms of um, relationship in, in, in the dating world and um, even finances that helped out the community, I think that usually we look at it as, like, when you lose places like rosewood or like the first like black like owned banks and things of that nature there's a lot of things that culturally speaking have pushed like um black communities back and even have been like just destroyed and completely uprooted where communities were very well knit together um to um so i wouldn't say that um i would say that like something like that sort of financing help definitely didn't fix the problem i think it helped to cushion but again i think i brought this up in um, a conversation a while back ago about um hiring or at least um academics in terms of like ensuring that the black community um did well um usually need to start back at the foundation rather than just seeing somebody at the end of the trip and going all right are your shoes tied it's it's equivalent of saying yeah uh, if somebody's racing and you're like oh are your shoes tied but you're like you're not making sure that the person who's 19 now has been primed to do this sort of exercise all their life right. you know running so in that regard i would say that like i can understand people saying that like this maybe have caused a bit of a cushion but i think that having more of a communal aspect that ensures that people can get these more high paying jobs there are more training programs to ensure that people get better jobs would have been a far better usage of that money than simply ask giving people a check for their um current financial uh, no income. hey you're absolutely right oh, the, the, um, the, the, um, no go ahead go ahead so um 
And I would even say that, like, in terms of, like, culture, when they speak about the dangers of, like, arranged marriages, um, these are absolutely the pitfalls, and we can all agree to that. But in terms of, like, the numbers of how many scenarios we know that to be, it's really unquantifiable. We, 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 it, we, knew, we know for certainty, we absolutely know for certainty that these relationships did stay together. Um, we know these relationships did stay together. But in terms of the modern-day society, we see a lot of people breaking up. In terms of the amount of hours people are working on a regular basis, they have absolutely increased over the years. On, on average, people are looking at 60 hours in a week's time just alone for a, a two-week paycheck. So we're looking at, like, and that's not even including overtime. So this is, while people might prescribe the notion that this generation is lazy, you can easily Google to know that people on average are working overtime or working two jobs. So not only are they not having the time to make relationships work, they have the freedom to choose to opt out of them if they aren't working. So while we can surely understand that in terms of culturally speaking, it was conditioned to be like uh, a taboo. And I think that sometimes taboos can work, but in terms of like the ability to, be nurturing to a relationship and ensuring it's working. I don't think people mostly have the time and usually uh, probably opting out of them nowadays because of the inability to really give it the time it's needed to do so. So the quality of relationships, I don't think are necessarily down. I just think that there's a lot of other facets that are really hurting people's ability to ensure that relationships are working out. No, it's it's true, and you're right. It's it's become increasingly you know they they planted that way for a reason, right? They attacked every single layer. So it was harder for people to unify, as you said before, you know, the price of everything's increased. You have to work a lot more if you don't, you know, have a certain degree or or certain skill set. Pretty much if you don't have, you know, a a skill that at least gets you in middle class or higher, you pretty much have to work like 80 percent of the week just just to be able to just to be able to even just pay the bills. And it's obviously depending on where you live at. So we're we're mainly talking about the U.S. since I know a lot of eastern places are much cheaper. But, yeah, that's absolutely true. They've 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 made every facet of living harder because if it's harder to just live, how do you expect to also, you know, get a partner and live, which is, you know, which is why when you do get a partner, you both have to work. So now you can't even even if you want the traditional type of relationship, you can't have that until one of you you know, learns one or two skills to push to, to push that threshold, but not enough people have the time or can, and it, and it becomes a huge bottleneck. And every layer of that contributes to this huge bottleneck. And until we kind of fix that, that issue, that problem, you know, a lot of this is just going to get worse and worse and worse as time goes on. So yeah, I, I would absolutely agree with that take, Hayes, for sure. No, quick question though. What's your guys' opinion of the whole like? So I'm gonna say it like this. I guess for right wing Twitter, I want two groups eradicated. I want to put these fuckers on the island and drop a nuke on that shit. <laughs> that is fucking groipers, like those Nick Fuentes, like cocksuckers, dude. Oh. Just worship every word that man says, and incels. I hate incels with fiery passion. I just do. It's like to me, it's just. All of them are like fucking fat losers sitting in a basement tweeting about, oh, why doesn't any woman want me? And I'm like, dude, go to a fucking gym. Lift some weight. I've never seen this. It's quite fascinating to me um, how they're... Okay, so the incel problem I thought about for quite some time, and I was like, all right, so it's not as bad as I think it is. But now, um, at least this was like five years ago when I thought about it. But now there's just 
Twitter accounts completely devoted to blackpilling people about like you'll never get her. You don't understand. She she she's far beyond your league. She is a ten, and you are simply a four. Which by that definition, you are literally the inbred uh, of, of, of a. You look like the Moon Man actually. Uh, by being a four, you you look like I can make it better for you. You know, vaporwave instrumentation plays around. <laughs> but suffice it to say, um, I think that doom appealing people can be. The, the thing about doom appealing people is that it's comforting. And what I mean by that is that often enough, and due, due to somebody who's dealt with um, a, a lot of negative emotions, uh, and still does to some degree, the, the, there's people often look at sadness and sorrow as debilitating, and negative emotions is why would you want to feel those. But there's a certain level of comfortability that comes from that, because you can describe everything and almost anything as never being your fault, as something out of your control. And if it is out of your control, what is... The need to be active. What is the need to immobilize yourself? You don't have to. In fact, it is um, against you. It's a waste of time to do so. In fact, it's better to just give up right now because everything in life is basically um, poised against you in some regard. Um, it, it, it strips you. It strips you of your optimism um, and exchanges that for a comfy uh, blanket that you can subside in society everything it can be explained away by it not being something you have to um actively be a part of which is why if you even look at most people's audiences take this for an example take a moment to do this and if you decide to do so watch how this occurs you might have guarded yourself an audience of individuals who love criticizing a certain opposition to your beliefs but the most amount of pushback you're probably getting your audience is when you're probably critique or seek to refine what they're already doing in, in a way where they have to take a, a strong level of culpability, in which this is the moment where they might have immediate pushback, and you'll probably notice that they are othering their problems, as in there's a other existing force in um, society that's causing the problems to exist. So if, even if they're not incels, they are um, ensuring that their problems and how they exist is a byproduct of someone else's existence. It's a similar sort of intoxication of negativity that kind of divorces you from accountability, which is probably the harshest thing to deal with. So that's that's my thought process on the whole doom appealed and how they operate. And uh, um, the, the, the goyams, the, the, the guys, the, the frogs, uh, you know, uh, sometimes uh, they are the king of word searchers, you know? They, no, they, I'm talking you, about the specific the guys who, even, like, no, I'm talking you. specifically to do to like are worshiping Nick Fuentes. Those guys. No, no, I, I know, but I'm saying these guys. These guys. I, I, you don't even need to type Nick Fuentes in. You can just keyword search and they'll just appear. Like, bro, you don't even follow me. Where did you come from? You just manifest out of nowhere. Oh. Right. So, so you know, this a lot of this pretty much comes from you know the intense amount of projection about what they don't have onto the world, and that's where all this stems from, right? They want something. They've pretty much um fucked up their head to the point where they believe that they'll never ever have it as you said before it's out of their control and that's the antithesis. That's, that's the antithesis of life by the way you know humans are have the power of creation we have the ability to literally become and do anything we want so long as you are willing to put in the work for it so this doomer logic is the antithesis to your own creation like like you're, you're literally slapping god in the face and saying I, I can't do what you even made me for. Absolutely. So, to add it to your point, that, that's, oh, have ahead. you all seen Bojack Horseman? 
Yes, I have. The show is hilarious. You remember the moment where Bojack Hostman is like sitting there and woman tries to to like behoove him some knowledge that could like provide him some solace, and he she says, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's all your decision, and um, at the end of the day, you're responsible for you. And he's like, God, that's painfully depressing. <laughs> like, it, yeah, the, I, yeah, that, the, the moment of. Yeah, that moment of um, accountability for him is just like it hurts him in that moment. I didn't mean to, to cut you off. I just no, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. No, that that and that's a huge point because that's how that's how a lot of them see it. And like um, when I watched that show, I, I I saw points like that almost immediately because so many times where he could have changed his fate, he had control over his life, and he kept deciding to fuck it up over and over. And he made that decision, but he tried to cope with it. By saying, well, you know, I had a fucked up past, you know, complete victim mentality that since my past was so bad, you know, I can't control myself to change my future. And that's how a lot of these guys operate, just like him with that exact mindset. And you have to shift their mind. You know, they're, they they put themselves in a prison and they chose to do that. But they have to realize that they can free themselves from that at any point. So when you have these incels going around talking shit about women or about, you know, these black pills, but then you see relationships where the guy's a four, but he's with like an eight, right? Or he's like a five and he's with like an eight. And they're like, I don't understand. The physical attractiveness isn't there. But as we discussed earlier in the podcast, it's more than just the physical attraction. It's more than just the emotional attraction. There are several layers to what link two people's souls together into one. So many, and you don't have to, you know, mark, check mark every single one of them. If you get like three out of the five, you're fine, right? Four out of the five. The higher your capability goes, the more attractive and the more desirable you are. That's that's how life has always worked in those values and how you can start off, you know, men start off at zero on that value. We start off skinny. We start off broke as shit. We start off not understanding women. We, we don't know shit about life. And the point is, as you progress as a man, if you choose to do so and venture out, and go through hardship, you gain experience, you gain capability, you know more about the world, you learn more about how finance works, you understand what women dislike and like, you know, what you start to dislike and like, as long as you can self-reflect on your journey. And as you increase that stuff, you know, you get the women you want. But the incels, even if they know going to the gym will make them big and stronger, they still don't go. Why? Because they need to understand on a deeper level that they have to push themselves to become something that women want. And that's where their ultimate roadblock is, is they believe that even if they do that, it won't matter, but it will matter. But their philosophy is nothing matters. So why even try? And that's really where they're stuck. If you're incapable, like even if you're not, you know, if you are inadequate at it, it'll still be zero. You still have a chance if you try. There's always the it's it's always higher than zero percent if you do try. It's never zero percent if you try. And so that that's that's one of the biggest aspects of this entire thing. And just like you talked about, about saving the world, you know, there's so many problems as, as I talk about just the West in specific, that is destroyed and absolutely deteriorating. Most people look at all that that goes on and just says, well, let's just move somewhere else. You know, this problem's pretty bad. It's so huge. You know, families are fucked up. Divorce rates are so high. Um, everything, the cost of living jobs, all of this is all fucked. So we can just move somewhere else. Let, let someone else deal with it. And I personally can't, I can't fucking do that. You know, I'm, I'm the type that's the exact opposite. Shit's so fucked. If no one else is willing to do it, fuck it. All right, all right then I'll do it. I'll, I'll build up a multi-million dollar empire and I'll create the necessary resources and funds to change shit. I don't and know why just, when you said that. I don't know why when you said that. The first thing that like immediately came to mind was, uh, was a, a Goku 
remember the moment when um, no one else could beat Harugagon and he was just like, if I don't, who will? <laughs> uh, no, yeah, no that, that's exactly how I fucking feel. And I've, I found a couple other people with that, that same mindset. But if everyone puts shit off over and over and over, the problem is the the infestation is going to increase. I imagine you're in a house and, you know, you, you, you pretty much can't leave the house. And, you know, there's a corner of maggots there and they're growing and growing. Well, let's just move to another section of the house. Let's move to another section over and over and over. And at a certain point, it's going to take over the entire house. At a certain point, it will be fucked. And that it, it may take 20 years. It may take 50. It may take 100. It may take 500. You know, it may not happen in your lifetime. Right. Or, or even in your kids. But your, your, your great, great grandchildren will have to deal with this bullshit. You know, your descendants yeah. will have to deal with this. They cannot avoid it. And that's at one of the point, biggest reasons. At some point, the, the, the problem has to be tackled. And I've already point, realized If you that. make it a, um, at some point, um, in my opinion, at some point, if you keep making it, every, like, if you keep making it someone else's problem, eventually, at some point, it's going to be everybody's problem. Right, right. And that's, that philosophy is what, you know, me and my group are founded upon is that, I, I care too much about human life, not just my my own people, my own bloodline, because I, I could potentially do exactly what I plan on doing and just going and just taking my and, you know, taking my resources and millions and just fucking off. So saying, you know, fuck it, you know, I'm, I'm chilling. My family's chilling. We're, we're good for the next thousand years. Fuck everybody. I could do that. And I understand why people do, because it takes a lot of mental and emotional fortitude to take on the world. It, it takes a lot to take on the amount of projection and hate and jealousy. And a lot of people aren't built for it. We have, we have to be honest about that. A great deal of people cannot handle that. Hell, I mean, they already can't handle a breakup. They, they you know, they already can't handle, you know, one one death that goes on. They can't handle a, a bunch of hate messages on Twitter. So I, I can't expect them to do what I plan on doing. And I'm fine with that. I at least expect people to back me up when when the time comes for me where I do need help. I I expect people to, or I at least want to, people people who are on on lower levels who can't do what I do. I expect them to help me while I push the world to help them. It needs to be um, cyclical. You know, I I need them to help me so I can help them. That that's at least enough for me for you to speak up for you to be on my side for you to help me when the time comes when I need it. But I don't plan on doing any martyr thing. I don't plan on doing shit for people that that don't care that 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 don't give a fuck. But it it does need to be done. Something a change needs to happen. Someone needs to make it happen. And if no one does do anything, there is a point of no return. I, people love to talk about it's always a chance. There will be a point where we can't go back. Where it can't be stopped. Where where certain individuals have succeeded in what they've planned for the for the past couple hundreds of years it it can happen but it can it can be stopped there's still a chance it's still there and if enough people get together we can change that but i i need to be able to get to a point where i can let people see that where they know and that's 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 the biggest hurdle at the moment but we'll we'll definitely get there for sure if you could could you elaborate a bit more on what is the longhouse you hear that around every now and then can you touch on that well, Okay, so look, I'm not I'm not super super right wing, so I'm not too sure what it means. And, and from my understanding, <laughs> um, I guess from the way I see it is that you know men men have gotten they they've cut themselves to the point where they pretty much bend over to women, or or rather, um, society's beaten them down to the point where they their masculinity is so eroded and they're just completely and utterly feminine. That, for at least that's from my understanding. You you two would know better since you're in that sphere. But I think that's what that means is that, you know, the 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 patriotism, the the individualism, what 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 made 
specifically what I think they talk about long guys. They talk about white men specifically that, you know, y'all used to just do it all and adventure and explore. And now you're at a point to where you're castrated completely, whether it's due to society, whether it's due to a woman, you know, there's a lot of layers to that. But I assume it's pretty much just self-cucking to where you are no longer a man anymore. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. No, like I asked you because there's actually I know pretty little of it from my knowledge to as much as I learned. Yeah. It's described in the sense of being like, you ever seen Fight Club? Yes, I okay. have. Great movie. You know how like the opening scenes, how the narrator, the main character, just kind of going through these like very monotonous, consumer-based like lifestyle emotions, like you know, wake up, go to work, come yeah. home, buy product, go sleep, repeat. Right. That's how I described me. Like you know, the sense where you're just like bored and we're not accomplishing like. You know, like you say yourself, you know, like our fucking ancestors conquered and did shit like that. What are you doing? Right. Sitting your ass on tour? Like, it's <laughs> something like that. No, that's, that's also a good point, too, by the way, because a lot of people have this notion that, you know, so many millions of us were all, you know, conquering and doing shit, taking over land. To be honest with you, the vast majority of people back then were peasants. There was only a small subsection of people that were knights or that were going out conquering or that were, that were defending the village and that were fighting, you know, the, the, the tigers and bears, the hunting. That was actually a small subsection, which makes sense because those men fostered children who also did the same, right? As you, when you look at society as a whole now, vast majority of people literally are just on social media all, all the fucking time. They're watching a shitload of TV. They're on their phone all the damn time. They're not, they're not progressing in life as they would, as they would a video game. They're just consuming, consuming, consuming. That's what most, that's that's how most people are. So most are descendants of actual peasants or just villagers. Most of you don't have don't most people don't actually have that dog in them because they are descendants of people that never had the dog in them. But that doesn't mean you can't have it. I've told you before that if you know there are certain pivotal moments in your life where that shift can change. Anyone, any peasant, any man start every man starts at zero, obviously who's not born into financial wealth, or you know, if if, if you're my son, you know, you 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 won't you won't be born that way. But for the majority, you're you're born as a zero, you're born as a villager, you're born as a peasant. You can ascend to any single point as long as you put in the work and you gain the mentality to do so. So even if you are a descendant of peasants, you can do the work to to make sure your family are now knights, right? Or 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 are now landowners. Or politicians, you know, or kings. Like you, you have that option so long as you are either mentored to understand it, or you come to that understanding on your own. But you don't have to be. A, a great point is that you don't have to be what your bloodline was. You know, my my parents. Once again, the majority of my parents were, were broke, poor, right? I, I can be the change for my entire bloodline. You could be the change for your entire bloodline. You you can change that entire cycle at any point, at any time, so long as you realize you can do that. And that's a component that people miss out of life entirely. They think their circumstances and, and what's happened for the past 400 years is just what it is. That's how it has to be. So that's why the slavery victim mentality pisses me off so much because, OK, I'm also a descendant of slaves, too. You know, I, 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 I've never been in, in, in middle class ever, but I, but I can change that. It doesn't mean that has to continue to happen to me. You know, my, my, my parents used to beat me as a child. I don't have to do that to my kid. I understand human nature far better than both of them. And I don't have to follow in those same footsteps. You, you can change shit at any point. That's the great part about human nature, about your soul, is that you can you can literally do fucking anything so long as you recognize that and you're willing to think, work on it. And I think when it comes to achieving something, I think people need to put things into perspective. I think working in increments will get you to somewhere where you never believed you ever could have been. For sure. If you, for example go into wrestling for an idea um if you become a wrestler and you're 
working up the ranks. Um, you start off in amateur leagues, and you've gotten five shows in, and you're just a spectacle to behold. You eventually get yourself on Monday Night Raw. You're getting viewership, and you um, hold the title. You actually hold the title, the belt, and you're loved by people. You got commodities, you got action figures, and you have a respectable legacy that's spanned, let's say, 15 years. Um, now, for most of y'all, y'all would say that's a respectable like legacy if you were a wrestler, right? Yeah. But if you went into that major or just just into that field with the desire to be Dwayne Rock Johnson or the, that the next Dwayne Rock Johnson, you would ultimately feel like you failed no matter how much you accomplished. And I think that sometimes that's a bit of a poison to people. That idea yeah. of I'm going to try to be. That's why I think um, if you ever like living people's shadows, basically, you know, right, like right. the yes. generation. Yeah, that that and and that's a part of life, right? That competitiveness, that you know, that's why the the uh, um, participation trophy error is so fucking detrimental to men in actualities because there is a winner, there is someone that reaches number one. You know, you you have to compete. You 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 don't have a choice. There's a guy. There's always going to be a guy trying to get more money, trying to get more women, trying to run this business, trying to outcompete you. And so that's a harsh part of reality that you do have to recognize it's real. Not everyone is going to make it to that one that one top position, and that's how it is. But that doesn't mean that's all that's there. You know, that even if you become a second or third or you never reach that point, there's still lessons along the entire way that can be transferred to something else. There's always something else to be done. And, you know, obviously, you still got to be realistic. You, you do grow. You do you do get to a certain age. And sometimes you won't be able to do the stuff you were trying to do, you know, 10, five years ago. But that stuff can be transferred. You 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 can move all of that and work on something else as well. But I think when people have that, well, since so many people are trying to do this and and they aren't gonna, and, you know, they don't succeed at it. What's the point of me trying? But you could be the person that does succeed. You yeah, know, you and, and, you could be and the I outlier. That, and I hurt. And I think that what hurts you the most is that sometimes you compare your success to other people. Right. The notion of that for me. Um, I think that breakthrough came for me when I started editing. Um, in a year's time, I wanted to be video essayist love, like, like level, like something like a J.R.B., a Turkey Tom, something of that nature. But it never occurred. It never happened. But throughout that entire time, I stopped realizing that I went from making videos, like a 30-minute video within three months' time, to making like something like that, a 40-minute video a day. And I never noticed the progression um by doing it that way that's great it, it actually it, it actually cheated me out of my accomplishment by trying to look at this long-term jeopardy of an accomplishment rather than looking at the immediate progression that i've gotten i feel like i've done nothing if i've just only look at it in, from that perspective and that lens and so right. i think that's how people can poison themselves somewhat in terms of achieving anything no it even gets worse than that it's just so I've been seeing a lot of like black pill and with the whole like you know free will versus like you know determinism shit. Yeah, I'm sorry, but like I believe in free will. I'm always gonna believe in free will. And a lot of this determinism bullshit is a cop out because like yeah. I've talked to some people, I had arguments with them, and once they try to use all this like fancy semantics, you know, like philosophy jargon, I'm just like, look, man, I'm a layman. Cut it, cut it simple to me. Why do you like you know determinism? And um, they just answered honestly, like, oh, because. Anytime I have like a screw up, I can say, you know, it's not my fault and that this was like predetermined and predestined. And I'm like, 
to put it frankly, it's a bitch mentality. Yeah. What I mean by that is like this: like if you keep passing off, like oh, the reason these things in my life went wrong is because some other exterior factor is never me. Then you never truly gain responsibility to learn about these things and move forward. And you never truly accept, like you know, like hey, how to like complete things and go forward. So my philosophy has always been this: failure only exists if you didn't learn from it. The only time you fail in life is if you don't pick up the pieces and say, where did I go wrong here? Where can I go forward from here? If you're just going to sit there and be like, oh, I gave it up. I guess I'll never try it again. I'm like, what are you doing? No. If you messed up, look at what you did. Retrace your steps. Try to find a better route to it, you know? And I could be even stuff like fucking video games or like life. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dark Souls is a good example. Notoriously hard game. Yeah, no, exactly. Imagine if people played Dark Souls... And the first moment they died, they put the game down and said, I'm not playing this shit. <laughs> you know, I failed. That, that happened, by the way. I've, I've, seen, I've seen Reddit post about it in Steam formulas, bro. But it's so they, amazing. <laughs> like, the accomplishment of beating a Dark Souls villain uh, boss battle, you cheer. You you feel there's, there's a moment of, uh, uh, you feel elated. You, you, there's a passion. That, that moment, that, that, that euphoria moment when you finally beat a, a Dark Souls boss, is the accomplishment of itself. You don't go, oh, this took me 40 deaths. You don't say, I died so many times. You, didn't, you don't say that. You say, I accomplished something. I was, and, I was just going to uh, yeah, quote that from, from Solo. That's a, a, ex- extremely important because I don't view it in terms of failure. I view it in terms of I, I've, as long as you have self-reflected, you've, you've learned a lesson. I view it as a lesson every single time, like trying it over and over. OK, what, what, what was the small thing I did wrong here or here or here? Dark Souls is a perfect example because as you know, you may have died 40 times. Right. But you've you know, you've learned the pattern. OK, you learned the mistake here uh, to get more into the more technical jargon. You, you realize the iframe when to dodge, you know, over and over until you get to the point of sometimes perfection. I fought bosses where I got my ass whipped 20 times in a row. And when I finally did beat the boss the 21st time, it was a perfect run. I didn't even get touched once. And so it's it's an immense feeling of elation and euphoria because it's triumph. You tried so much, you finally succeeded, and that's what life is. It's hardship. Shit, shit's gonna be hard. It, ha- it has to be hard. And once you finally succeed, you don't think, holy fuck, I tried 20, 20 fucking times. I wasted my fucking life. I, I spent three hours on this shit. You're like, I finally, the first thing that goes through your head is, I finally completed this shit. Holy fuck, I'm that guy. And if more people approach life in that way and, and took out the, the the thinking of it in a failure aspect, that's why I said perspective is so important. If you view it as you kept trying over and over and over until you succeed and you want to succeed. And if you keep saying you will succeed, eventually you will. Obviously, you know, there there are some areas in life where, you know, you, you may be physically, you know, incapable of doing certain things and uh, um a realm of realization, I mean, of realism has to be there, right? You can't, you can't be delusional about life, but you should be optimistic about it. You can't and, be admitted and going to the MMA, probably. Uh, right, probably, right. Probably, you, you, you can't, you probably, can't. <laughs> gauge, gauge, <laughs> no. gauge, just, just engage in realism just a bit there, you know. Just, but, no, this right. is too. Like, the gym could be doing this shit as well. Like, you're hitting the PR or some shit like that, you know what I mean? Or you're trying to, like, gain some weight on there. You fail in lifting weight, and you just give up. Like, what's the fucking point? Right. Like, yeah. But sorry, Hazy. What were you saying, man? I think um, one of the, my favorite movies I watched recently again was Lion King, and Simba is dealing with this dilemma of feeling the guilt of his father um, dying, and he learns a new way to live, a principle to stand by. 
Hakuna Matata, it means no worries for the rest of your days. Basically, he is able to divorce himself from his past and all the things that plague him. But at one point in the movie, he says, you said you would always be there for me, but you're not, and it's all my fault. And Rafiki appears before him and smacks him over the head. And he <laughs> said, the way I see it, you can either run from it or learn. And he swings again, but Simba dodges. And I think that was a great moment within the movie, simply due to the fact that, yes, failure is bound to happen. Trauma could occur in life, and mistakes can be made. But the worst thing to deal with, the worst thing that could happen for a mistake or failure is to allow it to simply be, not to learn from it, not to ascertain knowledge from it, not to take anything away from it just to hide or run from it. And I think that was like an amazing moment for the movie because that's a amazing gem because he's like, all right, so what you're going to do now? And it changes his perspective on like what he should be doing. Right. He ought the to be question, doing. The question, what are you going to do about it should be raised yes. every, every single time. And um, we could even go back to like, you know, men who have heartbreak, right? A lot of men who, you know, when you do go through heartbreak, a lot of men go one or two routes, right? They either go the complete left route of having utter disdain for women you know, partially hating themselves, you know, blaming themselves for, or blaming the woman for everything that happened. And others go the opposite route, uh, someone like me. Like, after my first heartbreak, rather than lash out and get super emotional, I, I literally meditated for, like, a, a couple days straight. And I just thought about, and I just self-reflected immensely on every single aspect of that eight-month relationship. What did I do? What did she do? You know, did, did this argument, that this situation that happened, was this my fault or her fault? How how did I react to this? How did she play into it? And I just play. I, I kept going back on both sides, trying to be as unbiased as possible because most people are. Most people sit there and see an event and think they played that card completely right. And it can't no way be their fault because I'm such a good person. But in retrospect, if you if you look from from an unbiased lens, sometimes it actually is your fault. Sometimes you actually are the one that fucked up. And it may have been in that instance. Other instances, it might have been the other person. And sometimes it's a combination of both. Like sometimes it got to a point where now you push to a threshold where you're fucking her over. And that now she's doing it back to you because of what you did. Or she may have started it and your emotionality got in the way. Like th- there's so many layers to it. But if you don't ever take the time to self-reflect and really think about it. It, it'll 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 never work out. You'll never proceed. You'll never reach that breakthrough moment of getting what you want out of life. And so I, I never even went to like the whole red pill, the YouTube thing. I never went to any of that. I just sat down and just thought about it over and over and over until I, I reached a eureka moment of just understanding myself on a more um, soulful basis. And it, my understanding of women increased since that day. And it just Things just got immensely better. I, I, I've literally had little to no issues. I have no disdain for women. Completely love them because I understand why they do the things they do. But a lot of men don't ever get to that point. A lot of them go the left route of just disdain, hate. I can't stand them. Why, why, why are they so emotional? Why do they act this way? Why do they have these little icks, these ticks? And it's like, for me, for someone that knows why they do all of it, it's 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 not aggravating. But like, I, I want to help them so much so they can have better relationships because we all we all want you know some of the a lot of the same things people want a relationship people want kids you you want you want a lifestyle that you can provide for and and be able to raise your children the way you want to all all this other extra materialism like you know some of it yeah you know you do want at least you know a decent car a nice place to live but a lot of people just want you know a lifestyle a family kids and 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 to grow and be with them and have grandchildren a lot of people want a lot of the same 
natural traditional stuff that we've wanted throughout all of history it's literally ingrained into your soul and we've missed that mark on a lot of things and of course you know society's kind of lied about a, a lot of it too so there's there's a couple of issues here and there but what everyone wants is the same thing at the end of the day at least a lot of the same things so i know you guys are both um you know i wanted to ask you guys this question since uh you know uh you guys all got your passion projects as i do mine as well so i know my friend here so this is a Substack writer and i want to ask oh. um uh about future projects and uh, what are you guys working on currently if you can divulge that information or give uh, people some in, in, insight into some things you guys are, talk, are into uh, I'll, I'll let Sola go first yes yeah I'm actually making up the finished top, um, touches and I should be publishing it Monday I've been spending a hot minute writing a paper on debunking utilitarian ethics basically and I've been spending a lot of time researching different philosophers of it, so I'm covering all my bases. So, like, act utilitarianism, rule utilitarianism. I'm going straight for the juggler and the shit. I'm going after all of it. It's Damn, he said he's trying to put all the crevices. He's like, he's like, hold on, let me just make sure. Because I don't yeah, want so to like, like... People don't know, I say this all the time. I'm a perfectionist in what I do when it comes to writing. So I'll literally write a paper, and I'll have the paper written, ready to send, but I'll spend, like, almost a month reading it over, thinking okay if i was my opposing view what cracks would i find in this if i find any cracks i'll reiterate it and make it more solid more of a steel man but it's about seven pages long right now so it's gonna be a bit of a read compared to my first article but i got a lot of stuff too i'm cooking up right now like a lot of it's been that a lot of it's answering common misconceptions i see from like you know fedora tipping atheist twitter like their arguments you know like oh if God, you know, all-powerful, why create big rock he can't lift? Like, dumb shit like that. Like, it's basically answering, like, lowbrow, you know, commentary, like, some jabs and stuff. But those are the two things I'm working on right now, but I got a whole list of shit I'm cooking up at the moment. But that's for me. What's going on? Nah, that's all great to hear, Solo. Um, I'm definitely gonna read it. Like, yeah, let me know when you drop it. I'm, I'm down to read that. That sounds hilarious. And as, as a smart yeah, as you. you are, I, I know you have such a unique take on it, and it, it, it'll, it'll be full of content, I know for sure. Uh, me, personally, I can't divulge too much, but uh, on a more personal level, uh, I'm working you know, on finishing up these two skills. Uh, one's in AI, and the other is a, is a smaller tech skill that I'll have pretty much almost mastered by the end of the year. Almost towards November. I've been grinding that pretty much most of the time. and the other thing I have is I'm sure you guys may or may not have seen like RNL around on Twitter or whatnot. So that's that's another thing that I've been working on with the with the group of boys. Can't divulge too much of that either, but we we definitely plan on some super huge big goals and aspirations um, of just complete takeover, which is all I can say at the moment. But everything's going smooth. It's going well. Uh, we're taking we're taking our time. We're being very meticulous about how we want to approach things. But yeah, man, all in all, everything's going swimmingly. Okay, um, and as for me, um, as usual, I am uh, continuously putting my video essays on in incubation. But in terms of a video I'll probably have out within potentially November will probably be The Incoherency of an Honest Liar by Dave Chappelle. So uh, look forward to that. (laughs) It's a very it's a very fun thought experiment I've been really thinking about for quite some time and I uh it was one of the things that stumped me to the point where I had to 
uh, artistically weave together a, a script and a video about the subject matter. So uh, that's what I've been working on. That sounds hilarious. Hey, question real quick, Ten. Oh, no, that's um, what's it called? Crushing <laughs> her um, I know Respaw, I think, is the account name, but it, I was laughing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's Hormatics, right? That's what R&L is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's just double check. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to like getting into that shit where you're cooking a bit, though. That shit always has me dying. <laughs> yeah, we're um, I can't, I can't, I can't say. You know, so there's so many guesses. That I, 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 look, I can't tell you this, bro. I can't. Well, I can't. Just a little bit. You will not believe the amount of DMs we've gotten about what the hell RNL stands for. It's absolutely hilarious. Like, I pr- we've probably gotten over like a hundred guesses at this point. But yeah, we're, we're definitely cooking up something not just for the TL, but for, for we have huge goals and aspirations, and we definitely will not let you guys down. And and it will, I promise you, it'll be worth the wait. It's something that no one else has done ever, and we'll be the first ones to do it. So just, Are you guys looking it. to be the next Bronze Age perverts, if you will? You'd be the next one of them. <laughs> the next? No, 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 no. We, 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 we don't live for the for the takeover of other men. We, we plan on transcending everyone. Like the it, the Tate, Tate, Elon's brand, all of it, com- complete and complete and utter domination. And I, I, I've assembled the greatest team ever. Hey, I respect that. Don't forget us when you guys get famous. Hey, but... no, 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 no. I, I plan on taking care of the people that have helped me on my journey. So trust, you you will be rewarded handsomely. I got you. I appreciate it, man. Hey, Ten, um, we're going to be wrapping up the podcast soon, but is there any accounts you want to give a shout out to? Definitely, you know, be like, recommend these boys. Yeah, what can they find you at? What, 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 if they want to dox you and uh, uh, find out where to get your valuables, <laughs> what, what would they find you at? Uh, so I mainly just run Twitter. Uh, I don't have well, I do have one other social, but I, I can't talk about that. that. That's on the side. But, yeah, you can definitely find me at 10 underscore Orochi on Twitter. Um, part of the huge RNL brand, so always my boys, not Reese Bra. Uh, Jacob, can't remember the rest of his shit. Uh, uh, Silver Bullet Gallagher, he's another one. Alex, Ego, uh, Closing USD, uh, Don Treese, Juggernaut Bra, he's another one. I'm pretty sure I'm forgetting somebody else. Oh, uh, Decay, Kane, and of course, you know, I always got to shout out Ruby, Deja Ru 22, the OG for sure. Uh, Atlas and Lion, also the other Lion. It's like it's like four Lions I know, fuck. Um, Frazzle Dazzle is another homie as well. So, yeah, I, I've got I've gotten quite the team. Follow any of them, every single one of them. You will not miss out on content. They're super inspirational. They're going to push you forward 100%. And uh, that's about all I got to say. Appreciate you and Solus, uh, just let people know, um, you know, if um, obviously you can find Solus at his uh, YouTube. Do you have a YouTube channel, my guy? Have you have you made one? Have you made one yet? As yeah, I'm, the Coliseum. I have a YouTube channel right now, but all I've been posting is my formal debates. That's something I didn't really bring up. But for people interested listening in, I do an aside of besides podcasts and running a Substack. I coordinate, moderate, and host like formal structured debates. So if you are ever interested in getting like into an intellectual spar with someone in like a formal structure, you'd hit me up for that basically. But that's what I do on the side. I love that shit. That's content I post up on YouTube and stuff like that. But you could find me, um, go on my Twitter account or my link tree. You have all my ads there. But most of the time, just type in Sola Requiem and then my account's going to be there. 
And as for I, I'm known as Hazy Dialects, Hazy Dialects on Twitter, and Hazy Dialects on YouTube. These are the two places you can follow me. Do not add me on Discord. I'm going to look at you as a a scathing roach that came out of nowhere, and I'll block you immediately. But beyond all of that, this has been another episode of Requiem Radio, and you've seen this all in HD. Thank you for watching, and until next time, we're going to talk again. Yep.